Welcome back to the Attack Podcast. Zach will not be joining us today as he's been bound in shell ghoul with the Dark One and all is forsaken. But fear not, listeners. As always, I'm your host, a vanilla coke enjoyer, Jay. And joined as always is surprise high sea heathen, surprise guest, Jeffrey Gonzalez. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Good to be here. Uh, it's good to have you. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I made the logo. That's I me. think everyone who listens should know that because I say your name every week. Yeah. The, <laughs> funny enough... You're the only person, who, uh, people who listen to the show, whose your full name is said. I don't say my full name. <laughs> or is That's wild. <laughs> or anyone else's full name. You're the only person here who I put the social security <laughs> number in, <laughs> name and address. Yeah, I'm Jeffrey Gonzalez. You guys can call me Gonzo. Uh, if I don't call you anything. It's, it's a recorded medium. Don't let, they don't even know what you look like. Imagine the most handsome man you've ever seen. And, then, and it, it's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Elvis. Elvis. Perfect. What a great segue. So we watched Elvis this week, the new biopic of Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> what What I think was really interesting about it for me is because, have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Rocket Man? No, I've, I've not seen any other, bi- like literally oh. any other biopic. And th- so I was a little hesitant to watch it because I was like, oh, I was just going to be a biopic. I don't really care about biopics. But then you were watching it and I knew we were doing the episode because uh, uh, Zach's not available this week. So I decided to watch it. What do you think? I'm going to be honest. And, you know, I liked the movie. It's I, I do consider it to be the worst of those three. Um, really? Yeah. For a few reasons. Um, oh. You wouldn't. You wouldn't know, but first off, they didn't incorporate Elvis's music very well. The first two, like Bohemian Rhapsody and especially Rocket Man, both really incorporated the music really well. Rocket Man actually, it was like a musical, like they had music video-esque scenes play out with his song that incorporated with his life. And I think my friend Maggie, she actually loves that movie, and she told me that, what's his name? Uh... Elton John? Elton John. <laughs> I wanted to say John Lennon. I'm like, nope, that's not right. That's- <laughs> nope. John Lennon was shot but, uh, in New York. Elton John actually helped make that movie. He was, uh, he, he like was on this. Like a producer yeah, or something? whatever. So I think that they did a lot better. And the thing with Elvis is that there are several things that like made it weird. A, wasn't it about Elvis? Not really. It was about his producer. And B, they didn't incorporate his songs very well. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I also, I also thought the cuts were, were really weird. The director that made Elvis is known for his crazy cuts. I've heard that. Like, I've heard this. I saw some. Re- I watched a little bit of a review of it, like, when it came out. And the two things that. And it just kind of turned me off from it a little bit before I watched it. Was that he said it was very long. Because it's, like, two over two and a half hours, which is very long. And that the director is, like, a weird little man who makes weird little movies. <laughs> I didn't think it was super long. I thought it moved pretty well, like, pacing wise. Like, I was never, mm-hmm. like, when is this scene going to end? Because I was like, okay, we're getting this part of Elvis's life. So we're going to do this and this. So I thought it uh, moved pretty quick but that's interesting that it's <laughs> the worst one because i really enjoyed it i thought it was really good but i will agree that it is i guess unique that it's not told like from elvis's perspective it's more told from like uh colonel tom parker's perspective who was his like campaign manager for a very long time and it like starts with his like kind of delusion of him and i think that adds a layer i think it adds to it maybe a little bit i say this having not seen it in the movies but that's kind of how we do on the show I don't see movies at all. Uh, <laughs> he's like an unreliable narrator the whole time. Yeah. Is that he's like, well, Elvis has all these bad ideas. He's not listening to me anymore. He's not making me all this money. And he's just a shithead. I thought that, you know, I really appreciate the end because you mentioned an unreliable narrator. I really appreciate that at the end of the movie, they said that the colonel was sued for, um, for like abusing Elvis. Because yeah. the ending, when at first it's like, I didn't kill him. You, you guys yeah. did. And I'm like, mm. the love that, he, that you had for him. It was I, that. It was like, ah, maybe you worked him like for a, 
800 nights or whatever the hell Elvis <laughs> to, says. To quote Elvis, you worked him like a slave in a salt mine. <laughs> no, we didn't kill him. Yeah. Uh, so I do appreciate that they added that at the end. I actually enjoy unreliable narrators personally. Oh, yeah. In movies and in books for that matter. Because right. Well, you can't read classically. I am dyslexic, so <laughs> <laughs> it's just gib- gib- uh, gibberish to me, but. That's why I'm you're getting, art- you're getting the vibes from it. At That's least. why I'm an art boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you made the logo. <laughs> Spelling out attack hell. Who's hell on earth? I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey, it's an A at the beginning. Yeah, it's an A. Oh, Jeff. It's uh, a picture of a dog. <laughs> oh dear. But uh, you're <laughs> but no, I I enjoyed that the narration, and I think some of my friends disliked it more because they're like, it's about. Elvis and I'm like eh, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it it was interesting. But so the, the thing I got from this movie uh, at certain points, and, and this shifted as time went on, but in the beginning, especially when I do the Louisiana Hayride, um, I guess spoilers for Elvis. Just oh, yeah. heads, heads up, heads up, <laughs> we're gonna spoil Elvis. He dies at the end, guys. I mean, um, if you're a fan of Elvis, nothing really here will be a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, you probably knew all this, but it just felt like it wasn't really about the person, Elvis Presley. It was more about the man, the performer Elvis, the myth, like, like the, the, the mythology of him, like the power that he had in the minds of the, of our culture, which I think is is an interesting way to play it, which is very much like how he's seen. Like it's it's just like he's out, El- like he's that's him, you know. That's really what it is. Uh, obviously, this movie is not entirely uh, accurate in all cases. We'll get into that a little later, but that's what I kind of like uh, drew away from was that like it wasn't about Elvis was a man who was born. And this is, is his whole life. It's more of like, I made him this legend, and this is what I saw in him. He had this supernatural power over people, and I used it to make a shit ton of money for myself and make him this star, and then he, like, died tragically. Well, kind it's, of um, you know, a, a good way to say it, it's not, it's not about Mr. Presley, it's about Elvis. Yeah, right? exactly. That, that's yeah. the idea of it. And I think that an important, interesting idea is that I don't really know what the colonel thought. Or his like views on it, or what he said publicly. I actually don't know a lot about Elvis in general, outside of like some of his music. But he said like he I, he didn't feel like he scammed him. He felt like he made him big, and and it you know there's an I don't agree with it. I do think he was a dick to Elvis. I think he limited him. I think he was selfish, but he did help him out a lot. Like he did understand how to play the game, and he played the game with Elvis. Elvis made a lot of money, and people. When they get a lot of money, but they don't know how money works, they tend to not use it well. Yeah, they just that, spend it recklessly. That's a big problem. And, and you know, they mentioned that in the movie where it's like all these hillbillies, the, the money just evaporated. You're making millions of dollars. What happened? And I'm like, yeah, if you, because so, similar things happen to people in the NFL. Actually, I heard stories where mm-hmm. apparently a guy in the NFL, I, I forget who, but he got his first big check from the NFL. And six months later, they called him or something they're like hey you haven't cashed in your check what's going on is something wrong he's like oh i framed it they're like what he's like i've never gotten a check that big i wanted to frame it i hung it up on my wall and they're like (laughs) you need to (laughs) you need to make the money go through or else like it's it's gonna bounce it's gonna fuck up everything like finance wise (laughs) so you know and uh i've I've heard people talk about how elvis really was the first he was the first he was elvis he was like the yeah. first big star and another thing i find interesting I we can get back to what you're saying but like those other two like rocket man and bohemian rhapsody you notice they're not called elton john and F- queen or freddie mercury they're called the most famous songs known for but elvis is just his name mm-hmm. which just goes to show like well it's him you know who he is you don't need like a song to equate it to it's not like it's 
Hound Dog or Wonder of You or Jailhouse Rock. Uh, I don't know what other songs are. Elvis songs. I was so um, Blue Christmas. I think a Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Going up JoJo references here. <laughs> There's a couple. It's of always them. a JoJo reference. Means. That's everything, right? But yeah, yeah. What you were saying? I agree with what you were saying. So you know, well, it's interesting because I already I knew that like he was going to be. Exp- everyone knows he's going to be exploited. Well, yeah. That's. I mean, it's a it's a biopic movie about a musician. Every single one of them has a I've been exploited scene. But yeah, I just, um, you can make the argument that he didn't scam him too bad, but you know, especially near the end when he was, when Elvis was dying and he was like, all that matters is that he gets on the stage. You know, it really became apparent that it was like, geez, you're, you don't care about him at all. Yeah, this, kid, this person you've known since he was like 17 years old. I'll be, I'll be honest though, up to that point, I was, I was, I wasn't really against the Colonel. I'm like, yeah, I don't think you really align with Elvis. And it seems like you're more concerned about the money, but he doesn't seem to lie about it. He didn't lie about it up to that point. To me, it was like, oh, he's just, he's concerned about the money. Yes, he can't leave the country and he would prefer his star stay where he can go. Yeah. And, uh, but after that point in the, in the third act of the movie, it really became apparent he did not care about Elvis at all. He was a gambling addict. He was an asshole. And, uh, I think they conveyed that pretty well. And a lot of people have issues with this movie. Yeah, I don't know if you have any, but. No, I wouldn't say I have too many issues. I, I mean, I really in, enjoyed all of it. I do want to, well, actually, we'll do this. We haven't done this a long, long time. I don't know if you've ever listened to the episode because you're a bad friend. I'll listen to all the episodes, like yeah, I tell you. this thing. <laughs> Uh, so we do the segment sometimes, Zach and I, called Theater Theatrics. I don't know if you've heard heard of it. Uh, listeners might if they actually listen. Is anyone there? Is any- <laughs> I, I ask myself, I, we have that moment every podcast. I go, is anyone even going to listen to me? And then I hit record and we start. <laughs> but uh, Theater Theatrics. hear it, but there's a single tear <laughs> going down Jack's face. There always is. It's tattooed on my face. It's like a line. Like I killed somebody. <laughs> that but tattooed it, tear. But, but it ends at the bottom of my chin, so it's really hard to understand what's going on. Anyway, <laughs> I'm saying theater theatrics. So it's a segment where something weird happens in the theater that is weird, and we talk about it. So in my theater, uh, in the f- the row in front of me, I was kind of like in the middle, so I had a really nice view of the film. There was just a whole family who took up the entire row, and it was just full of these like couldn't be older than like ten like children, and they kept like leaning over to their parents and being like, "Who is this person?" What's going on? They'd get up and go to the bathroom. One time, like, four of them got up and went to the bathroom. I wanted to be like, sit down. Don't bring your kid to this movie. Like, what makes you think that you're, like, 10-year-old? They were, like, sons or daughters, wherever the hell they were. I couldn't really see in the dark. It's like, what makes you think they're going to watch a two-and-a-half-hour movie about Elvis, a person they've probably never really heard music from or really understand, who's been dead for 50 years at this point? Like, wow, you're right. It's yeah i don't that's not the demographic it's yeah. it's an older it's a movie for an older crowd it's for the boomers it's for the boomers but it's also for honestly anyone up to like you have to be at least 20 i think to get it you might have some music nerds in their teens who really um you know will really get elvis and know who he is but to bring kids who are under under 10 is interesting that's clearly them it's a thing where parents sometimes bring their kids like this is the coolest thing ever and like i remember my dad used to do that but he did that with like star wars and like he-man and gi joes where he showed me all the things he watched as a kid he's like this was really this is really cool and awesome yeah and uh you know it is kind of cool and awesome (laughs) and now i like cartoons yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i the, it wasn't too. It wasn't see any. I didn't see any kids in uh, my theater. The one weird thing was that I was sitting in the theater and it was packed. Right. And then there were two people college age that came in next to me. There were two girls, 
And the weirdest thing was just that, first off, I felt like they were looking at me when they walked by, which made me uncomfortable, <laughs> but I'm like, whatever. The female gaze. The female gaze. But what happened was the entire movie, the girl who was next to me was curled up on the other side of her cat on her chair because they have like nice chairs now curled up on the other girl and i'm like i don't know if they're dating or she just really doesn't want to get close to me (laughs) but maybe you just smelled really bad no man i i love old spice (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's a problem you love it too and so like this guy shrieks of old spice i don't want to say that to him (laughs) no i was i i I don't know i think they might have been dating good for um, them yeah good for them uh they went to elvis they laughed i laughed we I, all laughed everyone <laughs> laughed one of the funniest parts for me in the movie was when actually before we get to the funniest part uh can we talk about elvis and his mom for a second what what's up, what's up with that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, i mean that's just Do you have history on that or no i think that's just like a south 50s thing everybody loved their mom or something i don't know uh, it, it was it was something <laughs> I'll always be my number one girl, Ooh. mama. Whoa. <laughs> no, you better not. <laughs> Steady there, big fella. <laughs> Me and my friends were really weirded out by that. I thought that was such a weird... Actually, my one friend... Um, I'm not going to say friends, but it's a lot of different people. It doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter who they are. But she said that hugging from behind is really sexual, right? Because yeah. my, uh, my buddy Reese, he hugged his grandma from behind, right? When he just said hello, he hugged her from behind. Yeah. She's like, that's really weird. It's kind of sexual. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, Jeff, is that sexual? And I'm like, no. I mean, it can be. If it, you want it, it really is a context thing. Yeah, it's a context. Also, that's his grandma. Yeah. Why would you bring that up? Yeah, like he can't hug. He has to. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it above belt here, fella. But um, so he hugged her from behind, and that caught my attention because now every time someone hugs someone from behind, hey. I'm like, I just think of my my weird comment. That. Yeah, that weird comment. But I'm like, whatever. But then he was like, you're my favorite girl. Nothing will get between us. And I'm like, that's really, really weird um but you know i, I guess think he, i think he's just a good old southern boy yeah who loves his mama i'm sure it's a cultural thing it's not supposed to be weird but mm-hmm. my favorite scene was when she was like nothing will ever get between us and then it cuts to the colonel being like you want to bet and they just do a hard cut again yeah i died laughing <laughs> in the theater i'm like that's hilarious yeah i let's talk about okay so that's good you bring up the the colonel so let's talk about um like performances mm. not everybody so it's i probably looked this up beforehand but i'll, I'll pull up um, the movie here and we'll go over some of the actors okay so obviously the two main thing uh, uh maybe three or so main kind of actors here are austin butcher who plays elvis uh tom hanks who plays tom colonel tom parker and olivia de john g who plays priscilla presley so i think everybody did pretty well in this movie her initials are pp all right <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> all right jeff we like to keep- what, what am i supposed <laughs> to do you said per- <laughs> per- <laughs> we like to keep everything a little bit more above board here on the akata i'm sorry Liz. i'm <laughs> to all the audience <laughs> members i'm so to sorry the three people listening i'm real sorry you had to hear that you invited me onto this. <laughs> uh, you know what? You had the audacity to say, Pris- <laughs> what is it? Priscilla Presley? Priscilla Presley. Priscilla Presley. And I'm like, that's pee-pee. <laughs> so anyway, back to the whole point of why I brought up her name. I really wish I didn't. All the actors did pretty well. I like Tom Hanks. He was he did a real good performance as Colonel Tom Parker. Had a fat suit on because he was a, a fat Danish man. You mentioned before we were recording here about his accent. So the fact that he, I looked at it a little bit in that the man who is Tom, allegedly Tom Parker, because you don't actually know his real name. It's probably a fake name he came up with. Uh, he's from the Netherlands. Hmm. So his accent is a Dutch accent, but that he's trying to make sound Southern to be like, I'm from the South, actually. 
end, but obviously he just sounds kind of weird because yeah. he's trying to mix I, accents. That's interesting. I, I would have never... I'm really bad with accents unless it's like a Southern or Brooklyn accent or a New Jersey accent. I won't know what the what it is. Right. I think that um, Tom Hanks did really well. He. I think that I was very... Um, I was convinced. I thought it was genuine. Um, well, let me say how I read the character. I read him as very um, a selfish, very paranoid, and very much a showman, but uh, or a con man, I should say. But he's the snowman. He's the snowman, and I think he nailed that. Elvis what was it was the Austin Butcher. Austin, he did um, a very good Elvis impression. Yeah, I I think it was fantastic. Honestly, you know, regardless how Elvis actually was. How Elvis is perceived by me? Yeah, that's it. That <laughs> that's is, Elvis. That's the a guy. man I've never seen or really have any connection to. I think that's him. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, that Austin Bridges has done interviews since the movie came out, and he like kind of for he's like I don't really know what my real voice sounds like at the moment because it like just finished. He's like I've had to speak in that voice for like twelve hours a day for like months, so it's like I don't. And if, there's like videos that you like watch before he films Elvis, and then afterwards his voice is like very different, noticeably so, because he's obviously when your voice does that enough, you kind of train your vocal cords to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I assume he'll talk like he normally talks eventually. Hopefully. Hopefully. It's like, <gasps> I'm Elvis forever. But yeah, I, I thought he did really good. He really sold uh, the accent, never like dropped out. He always held it pretty well. Again, he's not in it very much. He doesn't talk very often. I really. I, yeah, I. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up both of those things that he's not in there a lot and the voice thing to go to the first thing first it's funny because there's that happens a lot with actors where especially if they're method actors yuck by the way don't yeah. be a, don't be a method actor <laughs> don't, be method. don't ever be really an actor it's no fun but um you know they they consistently say that when they get into their parts the best actors i think jim carrey even had that issue he had, he had a fucking like a emo- he like had ego death i watched a whole documentary about that y- yeah it's it's it's, it's kinda crazy, crazy how it's, it's kind of crazy that that happened well, honestly, I think it just speaks to the level how you you never heard about this crap happening in like the nineteenth in early movies, right, or in theater that you never heard of like people changing to become. But as movies become better and more convincing, and people dedicate themselves more and more to this craft of being someone else and being convincing, it's gonna fuck with you. Like yeah. you start to believe it. I think that's a very good way to put it—the convincing thing. Because when you're in a theater. Most of it is imaginary. There's a wooden floor. There are props, but the props, wooden planks, if you go behind them, it's unpainted wood and like a, a support beam. It's very clearly like, look at it this way and only this way. But a movie, you build the set or you have green screen and you like dress in a costume and there are extras and it is a world. And so to be like, well, if I want to get the best performance possible, I need to be in the world. And then I have to say that actors are mentally unhinged because that's not great to say, but... But, but. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they're not the most stable of individuals for whatever reason, fame, drugs, whatever. And they can kind of trick themselves into thinking. They kind of, it's it's kind of funny that Jim Carrey did that because he had a movie called Truman Show where he lives in a fake world. Uh, so that's interesting. I don't know why we got in Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's on the point of this, but your second point, let's go to that. And, all right, so. The, the voice. Just the voice. I think that, uh when you well i don't even think it's an actor's thing to be fair just because now that you bring that point up i want to say is that you know humans in general we can be convinced about a lot like gaslighting is a thing for that reason no it's not what are you talking about gaslighting who taught you that word gaslighting that's not a real what do you that's not a real thing to gas i don't know who told you that but they're laughing at you right now why you never because you're saying a silly thing that doesn't exist gaslight 
I almost <laughs> whipped. You got me for a second. I was like, what does he talk? I thought it was going to be a weird thing where you're like, this is why it's not really a thing. And I'm like, yeah, it is. I'm, I, am I going to have to explain what gaslighting is to Jack right now? I thought you, you looked like a dumbass to me. I didn't believe you. I just thought, he, I don't know if he's like blackpilled or a dumbass. <laughs> I have no idea. What, I hate. I'm, I can't believe I'm gonna have to clown him on his own podcast. That, that's the lining of the show between being blackfilled and being a dumbass. Yeah, make that the title: blackfilled <laughs> or a dumbass. That's a good one. I just might. I'll write that down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, you can be convinced yourself, and if you act that way, you're gonna start to believe it. But um, I thought the voice was uh really well done, and I think that. I did notice in the film, my second point, he didn't talk that much. I actually thought about that, that like, and I really noticed it in the buildup to before we met Elvis, because at first it was like, you know, the colonel doing carnival stuff. And then you hear about this Elvis guy, you hear his music. Whoa, everyone likes this guy. And he's like, who is this? You go to the concert. Elvis is there. And he's like, and then you follow him. And you can't and, quite see and him. And you can't quite see him. And you look through the stairs and he's praying and he's drinking a Coke to calm his stomach, which made me laugh. I'm pretty sure they put cocaine in Coke at that point, <laughs> too, which is hilarious. Because I know at some point, I think they had cocaine in Coca-Cola. They did. I'll look up when that stopped. So there's a good chance that he was just drinking cocaine in that scene. Uh, obviously not in real life, but it was, I hope, <laughs> think, actually, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Method hey, method acting. <laughs> And the buildup was just was just so there, and I was like, "Wow, you guys are really." It really showed that this movie is about Elvis. It's not about Elvis. It's about the perception of Elvis. Oh, in nineteen oh three, it got eliminated. So, damn bullshit, liberals. Yo, <laughs> yo bring cocaine back to Coke. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Biden should run for. That's a platform we should have in the second. I, I'd term. vote for them. <laughs> yeah, and I and I thought that I I liked it. I um. What I thought was interesting just to bring in some more controversy is um, how they showed Elvis interacting with um, black culture and uh, all that, like with the bar scene, how much time he spent on, what was it called? Uh, you know, Beagle, Beagle Street, I Beagle believe. Street, yeah. And thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know how accurate that is to Apparently, that I looked up, I saw some article, I was looking into like this, because a lot of these things, obviously, based on a true story, <clears throat> they're usually rife with like things that didn't quite happen or... The things that are completely made up or fabricated, uh, but apparently that is true to some extent. That he did spend time on Beagle Street, and he did know these black musicians at the time. He just happened to take everything they did and be making millions of dollars off it because he was white, uh, which is exemplified in like the first scene of the Colonel when he he hears Elvis's music. He's like, "Nobody's gonna want to see a a black kid do it." I almost said the line, but I don't want to say the line he said. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he's white. He goes, oh my God, he's a white guy? Like, yeah, I, right. That was a funny scene. He was like, he's white? He's white. Get him on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, well, that is why it worked. And yeah. they they pointed that out a few. They, they were not shy to point that out as many times as they could in the movie where it was like, you're winning. You can do this because you're white. And even the one artist in the, in the club. King. Yeah, in the club was like, he can never make the money you're making, no matter how good he is. And that's the that was that's the unfortunate truth. And um it was interesting to see that interaction. I've heard that I don't I don't know if Elvis cared that much, but I do know that, you know, he did take a lot of inspiration from them and wasn't scared to uh wasn't shy about saying that he did. Yeah, which I, I think is the the best you can really do in that situation, because it's not it's not great that all that music only got popular because a white guy did it. Which is unfortunately what happens a lot if you look at the history of music, history of anything really in this country, yeah. uh, which is an unfortunate side effect of 
just how things a have lot. shaken out a lot of things. <laughs> but I, I did like in this movie how they made a point to like show that, be like, well, this music, th- Elvis really liked this music and he wanted to like honor it. Obviously, like we said, we don't ha- if the movie is trying to be like, well, he honored it. Like he really liked or how much, how accurate it is to real life, his thought process. Uh, like, but I also thought like the scenes where he's like, Martin Luther King's been shot. I'm like, all right. Like, this feels really like, see, he cared the whole time. It's like, um, all right. Like, I don't know how, I don't know if, like, how, that one feels a bit more forced. Like, yes, obviously he would have, it's good that he, like, oh, he was affected by this. But, like, it feels like, I care because it's the music I sing. It's like, well, it's not really your music, Elvis. Like, you didn't come up with it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. But, you know, I, I think... I think their heart, I want, I don't, I must be a stretch, but I want to say their hearts were in the right place when they were doing it. It just doesn't always hit, I think, for me. I think that, uh, I would have agreed if that was the only, if that was the the only time that he was really affected by an assassination of a major figure in America. That's true. Which is hilarious to kind of think about. (laughs) Yeah, because of how often it happened (laughs) in his life. (laughs) Yeah, because it it, it was, it was be it'd be JFK and then it was Martin Luther King and then it was Robert Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, we a lot of people getting assassinated in the latter half of the 20th century. Let's bring it back, I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, mean, hey, we kind of are. Oh, they killed the Japanese prime minister. Oh God. Um. Well. Okay. So I I wasn't bothered. I did like the line when the colonel told Elvis, he's like, you know, Mar- Doctor King thought that rock and roll contributed to deviancy or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, it's it. I enjoyed that they kind of showed that because I'm like, yeah, Martin Luther King was more conservative in some views. He was he, a Protestant. Yeah, he, he was a he was um he was the Reverend. He was Reverend Martin Luther King. He was yeah. like a, a um he was a Reverend, literally like a, a priest equivalent or a pastor equivalent. Yeah, he he might have not been too fond of El- mm. Elvis. Probably a because it's rock and roll, and b because it's a white guy taking <laughs> black music. Yeah, uh, there's a good chance he didn't. He might have not. I, again, I don't know, but um, it's important to think about those things. And I did think it was a nice. If he, if the colonel really said that to Elvis, that's a zinger. Yeah. If I was in the room, I would have been like, "Oh shit, he got you." <laughs> and then be like, "Who are you? Get out of here. Who let you in?" You'd be like, "I'm sorry." What are you wearing? What is that thing? It's a cell phone. A what? <laughs> it was really cool to see him. I liked my favorite part. Outside of the uh, little cutscene, another part that I really liked was um, what was it? It was I blanked out. You can take the rain. I might cut it again. Okay, uh, I was gonna say something I really liked. There's a couple of scenes that I really liked, and or like the through line through is that kind of how naive Elvis is, or how much he wants to stay with the Colonel. Because if you see like this, obviously the scene with the Ferris wheel, that's not that didn't really happen. That's not a real thing that happened. They didn't like. You don't know. Uh, okay, I, I guess you got me, Jeff. I guess I don't know. But according to the article I read, and probably kind of logic, I did like that he was a Captain Marvel fan, which just shows how old comic books are. Yeah. He's like he's a Captain Marvel Jr. fan, which is very funny to me because he he was reading that in like 1945 or something, like I, during World War II. Well, I, you know, I, I've studied comics, and I remember when I when he saw that he liked Captain Marvel, and I'm like, yeah, that's when Captain Marvel came out. That's apps. That's. That's crazy. He would, he would love that because Captain Marvel was humongous. Well, that was the beat Superman. Well, he he was so popular. DC sued Captain Marvel for ripping off Superman. They were so upset yeah. at how popular they were. Now, did Captain Marvel Junior come in before or after they mm-hmm. like DC acquired him? Because because he doesn't like he likes Captain Marvel Junior, like his boy sidekick, which is weird because Billy Batson is a boy. Uh, I'm not sure when the sidekick comes in. I when we when we studied Captain Marvel in the class, one of the things that was so big is that. He was really the biggest hero since Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. He was like after them. He was one of the biggest yeah. ones. And he was 
he honestly like rivaled Superman in popularity, and part of it was just because he was a boy. It was like what like a Spider Man, yeah, kind of like a Spider Man thing. Yeah, it was like imagine Superman, but it it's just like you, kid. It's like you were Superman. Yeah, you and could every- be Superman anytime you wanted. Yeah, all you had to do was say Shazam. Right, and I I think that's you know it's it's funny, it's cool. It again, it's true. The comics are old as. Old as, old, balls, old as fuck. <laughs> uh, and that's why there's so much dumb bullshit in there. But anyway, back to my uh, point that I meant is that like throughout the movie, it's very clear. And a bunch of characters make a point is that Elvis can't really say no to the colonel. Like he, like the colonel has has like a power over him. Basically because that Elvis, in, it seems in the, at least what the movie wants to portray, is that no matter what he does, there's a part of Elvis that believes in the colonel and trusts him. Like, a childlike part of him is like, well, this guy helped me, and he's the reason I'm here. So, like, yeah, he's done some bad things, but I, I kind of want to hear him out. Like, oh, he's he's just, he's the snowman. I'm the showman. He's the snow. Like, we're a team. And even Priscilla says as much, and she's like, if you go and see him, he's going to get you. Like, don't let him do that. He goes, ah, I'm going to do it. And then he does it. Because, like, the colonel knows that. The yeah. colonel knows he has his power over him, and that's why he's able to get as far as he does. And nope. the Elvis doesn't want to admit it. Until it's too late, and he like realizes, and he's like, "I already got you. Like, it's, it's too late. You owe me eight million dollars." Hey, listen. If someone walked up to me, and it's like six months, and you'll make millions of dollars, and then you can do whatever you want. I would have fallen for it. Oh yeah. When, when he did that to Elvis, I'm like, he. That's a good. I'll say it. It's, it's a, a good deal. It's a good I pitch. I, w- I would have went with it too. You don't have to pay shit, and all you had to do is perform for six months or, or six weeks. Yeah. I remembered what I was going to say, something I really liked. I remember thinking, I'm like, Elvis is such a spaz on the stage. Whereas he's wiggling. I'm like, you're just, he's like vibrating he's all over. Jiggling, the- yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is dancing. Yeah. <laughs> like when he went on his toes, it looked cool. But I remember thinking, I'm like, Elvis is a very spazzy guy. <laughs> and it made me think of Johnny Bravo, who, if you guys didn't know, based on uh, Elvis, oh, it's yeah. a parody. Right. Um, And he just did that. I also really liked the scene when. He lifted his pinky up and wiggled it. Right. That's, that's that good. actually happened. I, I I knew about that. Yeah. And uh, Elvis, he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. I know that. I looked it up. I know the jiggling, he, like the wiggling he does uh, when when it's showing it at the Louisiana Hayride. That's not the first time he does it. And the colonel wasn't there for that. Like he wasn't present at that event. Hmm. Uh, and Elvis had done it before. Uh, so it wasn't like the first time. And that was when it really is like, oh, he's like, they're doing the mythology because like when all the girls are just getting horny watching him jiggle, what's even happening? They were feeling emotions that they weren't sure <laughs> they should enjoy. It's like, <laughs> it's like, is he like, it's like, would it really, like, would it would be one at a time, like, the just dominoes knocking him down, they're all trying to hold it back. I, I laughed because it showed the girl, and she was just like, ah! and then she covered her mouth, I'm like, like yeah, is that how it's like? <laughs> yeah, that's totally what it's like, repressed sexual energy, I guess. <laughs> I guess it is 1940s south the south of louisiana so maybe not the best uh but yeah i think anything else really to say what do, what do you rank this we don't really rank movies on the show because we we're well, just you know insane I lo- you know i like assigning numbers to things right um. so <laughs> we like to, what i like to do is i th- uh which i stole from a youtube channel called arlo which is a video games channel he does rankings out of seven i believe i've mentioned that before uh so he assigns things out of seven so like four is middle and then top three bottom three mm-hmm. this one we probably five out of seven watch it again then my fi- not a, i'm five and a half out of seven maybe out of seven um i would say it's it's definitely as a movie i think that it's a it's above average it's certainly um i'd say four out of seven at least but as a musical movie like as i i, I might i probably maybe even give it a six out of seven because you know I, I don't think it did a bad job 
I think I don't think it's as good as Bohemian Rhapsody or um, Rocket Man, but you know, those were knockout movies. I didn't expect both of those movies to be as good as they were, and I think it achieved a very different goal, which is tough. Like when you have two movies that are doing the exact same thing with very popular icons, yeah, of similar genres, of similar genres who are quite frankly closer to like relevancy in terms of time, like Queen and um, Elton John are both. They're younger than Elvis. Obviously, Elvis is from the 50s. Yeah. So to have them come in and do it that well, I think it did an amazing job. And I do consider that in my rankings. And yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of more to say on it. I don't think I'm going to do a ton of research. Just look at the historical accuracy. I'll just wait to see what people complain about. And I'll and I'll go, that's probably right. And I'm like, yeah, good enough. Man. Good enough. I will say the ending kind of got me hyped. Like, got really emotional. Like, when he's singing and it's, like, the real footage of him and it's, yeah. like, the actual Elvis. It's like, oh, that's a really good way. To, that was a really good way to end the movie. It really gave, like, a big emotional feel. I thought that was good. Uh, so, I guess what I could take out of that into Thor 4. Now, listeners, we talk, I talked with Zach about this for an hour last week. We went into this fucking movie. Because it was a movie I saw, but... Uh, Jeff watched it for the thing. Now, uh, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, dear viewers, it's important you know that I am not quite as strong on the uh, comic wagon as uh, J and Z over here. Uh, I don't read the comics as much. I will read comics. I read more manga. And I've fallen out of the uh, Marvel loophole. Uh, during high school, I was really on it. I, I, I don't think loophole is the word you want there. Yeah, whatever. You edit it out. <laughs> but, um, and uh, I'm not on the whatever. Uh, and I saw this movie with two of my friends. Um, well, my one friend and this guy she likes. And, uh, <laughs> well, and we'll see how that works <laughs> out. <laughs> and uh, they don't follow Marvel at all. So I went into this as close to a noob as you can get, but with some more knowledge. I liked it. I know they don't. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I-, I laughed. If if you really care about continuity, I think you're not going to like this movie. Yeah. I-, I agree with you guys when you said that Thor is not serious anymore. And he kind of got like a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, syndrome. Or if you watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy, how they act, they have serious moments and there is comedy, but it isn't what comprises them. Like Drax specifically, like if you look at how Drax acts in the first Guardians of the Galaxy and you go to the second one, it's like night and day. It's like you took all the things that like made him a character and you turned him into comedy and they're doing the same thing with Thor. You know, it's fine. I think Thor's funny. I laughed a lot. Uh, I wasn't. I'm not super invested in the in the overarching series plots that are happening. Right. And I thought it was really funny. Some things I thought was weird. I guess Thor is a god. And some of you might be listening, thinking Jeffrey, he's always been a god. He's Thor. No, 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 no. Odin specifically told Loki in the second movie, "We're not gods." Thor: The Dark World. Thor: The Dark World. I know the thing no one ever saw. <laughs> the movie no one's ever seen. No one wanted to see. He said, "We're not gods. We're just aliens, and we live longer than humans. That's it." And then Loki makes a joke by a few thousand years, implying that they do die eventually, like naturally. Naturally. So you know, I thought that was weird. So I'm like, okay. So I'm gonna throw that out the window. Good. I didn't want Thor: Dark World anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need it. Yeah. Good riddance, I say. Yeah. Harumph. <laughs> I think that also ties into you seen Moon Knight. I understand, right? I have not. Okay. When I say I'm out of the, <laughs> I'm out of the Marvel. Okay. Anyway, so well, Moon Knight does Egyptian gods, and it's un it's unclear about where gods stand. Well, that actually really ruins my point here. <laughs> keep going keep going i'll, I'll, keep going. I'll roll with it i'll, I'll act like i know what's it's going. like man it's crazy because now you're like with me because i don't see shit either it's a real <laughs> reverse of power i feel like zach it's very fun he'll love it when he listens back maybe 
<laughs> but yeah, in Moon Knight, obviously they do the Egyptian gods. I don't know if you know about Moon Knight, but he is connected to the Egyptian pantheon. Yeah. And with them, it's it's not clear what they are. They don't explain whether they're like aliens, like the Asgardians. And we, I think we mentioned it on the show during Moon Knight, is that they don't. So maybe they're just ignoring it. They're like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what he said in that movie no one saw. <laughs> we'll pretend it doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting point how they're like, all right, there are gods. There's a, just a bunch of gods, and it's just they just. I thought the whole point is that they happen to be called these things, but they're not like. Yeah, it's 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 just one of those things where it's it gets big enough, and you're like, well, we got to pull different storylines in from the comics, and it's like, well, Anthony Hopkins said this in Thor: The Dark World, but we're doing Gore the God Butcher, so he's not Gore the Alien Butcher. He's he's got a he's got a we got we got to make him different. We have to like distinctly show that these beings are this way and only the neck and the necrosword can kill them because it's a god killing weapon and they need a god weapon to kill gore so i think it's just an unfortunate side effect of i guess marvel stuff marvel hey part of the entire infinity um saga very tight story it's a tight tight story it's really solid and unfortunately when you write a really solid story everyone wants more but when it's a tight story, it doesn't leave you a lot of places to go. You have to start new. Yeah, and yeah, the, 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 like we talked about. What did you think about? You know, we'll 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 get into that in a second. We'll get into that kind of stuff because we did talk about that, and obviously you did hear us talk about it. So I'll get your thoughts in a minute here. But I want to stay on the movie Thor uh, in particular. What I, a point I think might have happened. I've heard that Chris Hemsworth has said that someone said like it's like a seven year old wrote it. People are like. Not in the way you want it to be. Like, there's a way he meant that, and I don't think he meant it's been taken that way. Because it, it, it's just weird. Like I said last week, it's just not enough of it. And it's just a lot of weird stuff that goes on. A lot of weird retconning. It's very um, strange. For the for how it's playing off everything else, I think that they're trying to... I think they're setting up characters. You guys have mentioned this, that they're trying to set up this new saga. And... Thor is going to be this role. He's going to be a dad in this. And I think that opens up a whole world of new appeal to him. Right. Because, um, and I, uh, speaking of Thor's appeal, there was the one scene when he was naked and all the girls swooned. I was next to a girl and she screamed when she saw that. She went, ah, you know, just like Elvis. Yeah. And uh, he's like, he's like the modern day Elvis. He's like, he's like modern day Elvis. And, uh, you know, and everyone swooned. And, um, I think there's an appeal to guys, all Generally speaking, all guys love Thor. He's cool. He's a cool guy. And uh, girls love Thor. Different reasons. Different and reasons. Giving him a daughter adds a sensitivity to him. And vulnerableness. A, a vulnerableness of sorts. I think that's why they're they're doing it this way. A seven-year-old wrote it? Yeah, kind of. I think the ending scene really showed off because I'm like, when, when he gave all the powers to the kids, my thought was, I'm like, oh, this is a kid's fantasy. A kid would love to get the powers of Thor to fight demons. Yeah. And I think that they're just making a movie to appeal to a large audience because say what you want about the integrity of movies and the craft and the art and, you know, and the characters. Thor's a, it's a blockbuster. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is a blockbuster. They want families to show their kids this so their kids can go to the movies and they grow up liking Marvel. So they buy more Marvel movies and they send their kids to it. Yeah. And that's what's going on here. And that's just, that's just Hollywood forever. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. That's how it is. The best movies don't don't get sequels. <laughs> no, they don't. because they say that's it. That's the that's the story. That's the story. I have the Godfather. People like the Godfather Part Two. And really? I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen it either, but people like it. And then guys, and Empire Strikes Back. People like that one. I was like the, the best Star Wars movie or whatever. 
Hmm. Um, Screw my point, I guess. Well, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> People like Conjuring Dragon 2 as well. But I, yeah, I definitely see what, what you're saying here. I really, I think this is a bigger thing because I was watching some, you know, reactions, people's reviews of this because uh, it's kind of what we, we, again, one of the things we do is we just kind of sometimes do segments, uh, <laughs> which is people's reactions. And a lot of people who, uh, it seems there's a lot of like people on like YouTube channels and stuff who cover it just are like, this movie is just kind of like, meh. It's just kind of like. We need to do a bunch of Thor stuff, and we need to do just a bunch of random stuff, and it doesn't matter what the other movies did, we're just doing it now, because he's with the Guardians, because he has to be, because of continuity, but they get rid of him as soon as possible. They give him Mjolnir back. Why did you break it in three, only to establish him getting a new weapon in uh, um, Infinity War and Endgame, and then not needing the hammer, and now he gets it back, and now he uses it exclusively? Taika Waititi, why did you do that? Like, what made... Did someone tell you? Like, it's it's just it's just weird stuff. And also with the... People have pointed out with the give all the kids the powers. If he can do that, why didn't he do that in Infinity War? That would have been immensely useful to let all the superheroes also just have Thor powers because they're superheroes. They'd just be amped. He didn't have enough mana. <laughs> I guess. I guess he was. I guess he wasn't healed up. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't ready for. It. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I, well, you were saying earlier. I guess I, we can circle back to it. As always, we're getting a little, a little jumbled here with the like, setting up stuff uh, for Marvel. It's just that I think COVID has done them absolutely no favors in terms of this new thing because everything's been pushed back. Everything's on a time crunch, and I've seen a lot of stuff come out recently about VFX artists and how they all. A lot of them are like Marvel sucks. Like, they're awful to work for. Disney's terrible. They just are like, I want this done as soon as possible. That's, that is, there has never been a point, my friend told me that, that I saw it with. Uh, she said, you know, they're, de- they're bad with their artists. And I'm like, there's never been a studio ever, once, ever, where the artists are like, boy, we love it here. We have enough time and everyone treats us nice. Never, <laughs> they, never happened. They put once. us in our, no, they don't put us in the basement. <laughs> like, I, I, if you guys don't know, I'm an artist, I'm an animator, whatever. I, and that's always the complaint that, you know, it's becoming, there's a big movement right now within animation and within movies of, uh, you know, they're, they're forming unions, they're forming guilds. And Netflix got into a lot of trouble with their animators and they fired their entire animation department. Wah, wah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, they, they don't treat them nice. And that's because to make good art, it's hard. And at, I hate this, I hate to say this, but to really get a certain quality, like they do to have these huge pictures to make a profit off it in a timely manner is I don't want to say next to impossible but very very Nearly difficult impossible, yeah because it's it's just a lot of work and fans love it but you can't pay bills with love <laughs> yeah can't pay bills with appreciation and experience like I definitely see, agree with that it's just man, no Marvel may be the worst it's not a very long high bar yeah like it's not like oh well we could work for a24 and we'd get off three years to make it and it, we'd we'd be <laughs> pampered and give massages no you'd get like <laughs> four extra days yeah <laughs> like it, it's not too much more yeah it's it's really unfortunate that they do that especially because Disney is such a lucrative company and you know you know, I think compared to other companies, they're, I don't even think they're that bad. But they also put out the highest quality work. It's really unfortunate to hear that, especially because that's my industry. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunate. Like, rip. Uh, <laughs> Can I have some money, please? No. Yes, Lord, love and thunder. <laughs> Finish it. Make up. Make the Golden City. <laughs> um, <laughs> make Russell Crowe sparkle. Damn it. 
<laughs> He's not sparkly enough. Oh, speaking of sparkles, to like cut to that real quick. Also, they didn't explain that that's what happens to gods when they die when that happened to Odin. That is just something random that they put in this movie. They're like, also, that's because he's a god. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> also, why does Jane just becomes a god? Because she has the hammer, he, I guess. He, he told the hammer, always protect Jane. And then that works. And then it's just it's a lot of this weird what, what kind of stuff. And I know... Uh, Taika Waititi has even recently has been like Thor 5 I do Thor 5 if Chris Hemsworth came back I want to be like maybe you shouldn't write Thor 5 direct Thor 5 sure don't write it let someone else write Thor 5 cause also I don't think we need 5 <laughs> like I liked Thor and I liked Thor 3 and I was like oh my god we're getting a 4th one I think that's why you don't get a lot of like 4 series movies that come in 4's there, it's very like there are trilogies Marvel kind of likes to stick to their sets of three. And I know the Avengers had four, but Infinity War used to be part one and part two. Even though I disagree with the sentiment that Infinity War and Endgame are two parts of one movie, because I don't think that's, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I think vibes it, are really different. Oh, yeah. They're, also, the, the story is different. Mm-hmm. The, the the story ends. of the Infinity War story ends, and then the Endgame story begins. I don't, I don't know how you could even argue that, but. Whatever. That's not what we're talking about here today. We could, because it's the fucking egg attack. We're talking about whatever. Yeah, just in general. Because you don't keep up with it, what do you... I guess it's an interesting perspective, because you don't really keep up with it as much as Zach and I do, as obviously we have the show and everything. How are you feeling going into this stuff, with all the shows and all the movies? Because this year alone, within the last two years, really, we've had... We're just counting... Really? That many? Jesus Christ, dude. You don't have enough fingers. <laughs> I know. I'm running out of fingers real quick here. <laughs> so there are 15 things coming out in, within the, in the two-year time span. Eight shows and whatever that math works out is <laughs> seven movies. I knew math. So people are a lot of people talk about Marvel fatigue. Now, this is, this is the thing that has been talked about since fucking okay. the first Avengers. No, really the first Avengers really? movie. Oh, definitely. It's one of those, like, it's one, it's kind of like uh, jazz. There's an article that my jazz, when I did jazz in high school, that my professor always read to us the start of every year about how jazz is, is, is not a good music form. It'll never last. It's, it's on its way out. And this article was written in 1922. <laughs> and so I, he'd read the article and then he'd say, what, what date, when was this written? And then we'd guess and then he'd be like, actually, it was written 100 years ago. And it's just a show. And I think before I scoffed that I was like, well, come on, guys. But now a lot of people are saying it. And even people who like cover this stuff and are really into it are saying it. And I don't feel it because horror and I love it all. Yeah. And, you know, and a little shill, as I always say. And we have this show. And if there weren't any content, well, we talk about on the show. So I want to get your perspective on that. Now, what do you think? Are you feeling this kind of fatigue people are talking about? I, um, fatigue? No, I feel more overwhelmed just because if. I've heard that as well, people echo. Well, because, you know, there was. There was a big period, like of, of a couple of years, where they just stopped putting out content right after Endgame, and they were like, well, "Hey, we something need- happened." Do you remember what happened? No, what, uh, the COVID. coronavirus. <laughs> no, no, no. It was before Corona. I remember because I think Corona pushed it back. Further. Well, uh, they they had like a. It was like I think May was when they're going to start putting stuff out again. No, because well, because May of 2020 was when Black Widow was supposed to come out, mm. and then it got pushed back an entire year, and then everything got pushed back. But you're right. Yeah. When when Endgame came out, well, no, it was Far From Home. That's the, la- that's the next thing they put out, and there wasn't going to be anything until that Black Widow movie. Well, well yeah, and I remember reading that, and I'm like, makes sense. They want to make sure they have, they're going to nail this next series of movies and you know, also give people a break from Marvel. And in that time period, I kind of fell out 
and uh coming back into it with it, with it uh with all these movies really starting to like come up again all these shows coming up again and you have to watch everything i still haven't seen multiverse of madness because i haven't watched wandavision and i haven't watched the what if series the what if series is so boring i don't think i'll watch it i think <sighs> I'm, i i'm sorry i'm, I'm not gonna watch it i'm just gonna watch wandavision and then go into <laughs> is it really that important it oh my god <laughs> well there's well there's one you kind of have to watch there's the first one you have to watch just the first episode. Did you watch the first episode of it? Yeah. Okay, well, then you're fine. Okay, nice. Nice. <laughs> I actually watched the first two, so. Okay, I'm then good. you're fine, because there's a character in there that shows up later that's important. Well, whatever. And, you know, just seeing all these movies is like, I guess I became disconnected to them at some point, and I think that really plays a role into fatigue, where you can get tired, but they're building a fan base, and I think if you really like Marvel, if you really like superhero movies, I never got tired of Marvel when Marvel movies were coming out. Yeah. Every time I heard the next one, I watched it. I'm like, I can't wait for the next Marvel movie. I don't care. I don't care if it's shit on a fucking screen. I'm gonna watch <laughs> it. If it ties in, they're gonna find a little gem inside of it. And <laughs> whoa, the Infinity Stone, the Shit Stone. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't care. And um, I think I'm glad you bring up that jazz thing because not only did I not know that story, but I think it says something that you only get tired of it if you don't like it that much. Yeah. Like, yeah, you might get tired of jazz. You'll listen to something else, but you're probably going to want to listen to jazz again at some point. You're probably going to want watch a Marvel movie. And they're really good at making movies with a, a general appeal. Yeah. If there's one thing that Marvel and more broadly Disney does, it's appeal. I mean, I mean that, they're just like the flavor of the... They're just like... That's just the zeitgeist. They're the Western. They're the action movie. They're the disaster movie. They're just the new thing on the block that all the old directors go this shit sucks but they forget the fact that star wars is a blockbuster like jurassic park terminator aliens rambo fucking any clint eastwood movie like those are the blockbusters of their day but because they're in the past and we have like marvel movies now and superhero content mm-hmm. is the is the big thing People are like well those are classics but like if you went back in time they weren't classics they're like the blockbuster they're ruining cinema no, they're fucking not, because here's the thing. If there weren't mass appeal popular content in literally every kind of... We say this all the time on the show, but I love it bears repeating every time it comes up. Books, movies, songs, fucking TV shows, theater performances. The mass appeal ones is what keeps the industry going is because it brings the money in for the, the more niche avant-garde projects. You need it. My- like, that's just how it goes. And another thing, not to keep cutting you off, but how many directors, how many people... When they're like, well, what made you a great director? Oh, I saw Star Wars. I saw Rambo. I saw The Terminator. I was like, I want to make something like this. That's what Marvel movies do. When some kid who saw Spider-Man <laughs> and is like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yes. I want to do this. And they're going to make movies in the future, barring Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that kind of thing that really bothers me. But I, I think uh, to go on to your point of if you like it, it's not going to get boring. I think... It's a real separate separation for the to quote the sheep from the goats kind of thing. I don't know why I quoted kind of quoted the Bible there, but whatever. Woo, woo. <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> That's for you, JC. <laughs> but in the sense that we talked about again, it's something else we talked about on the show before. But again, bears repeating. I don't know why bears repeating, bears repeating. But you know, redundancy. Uh, that the reason they pick, I I think at least my little theory of it. Obviously, there's no way to confirm this uh, without asking Kevin Foggy himself. Is that the reason they did these shows now? Is because after Endgame, you're either on board or you're not. They got you. If they haven't gotten you with Endgame and Infinity War, they were never going to get you. And they know that. And they don't really care. It's like, well, okay. 
we we fucking did the biggest event probably in movie history. Let's be frank here. This is the this is the first time this has ever been done, and nothing will ever top this because nothing. It will always be don't another say, another say, one. Don't of say this. shit like that. Well, in the same way, <laughs> in the same way though. Yeah, they like they can obviously can... something, some new way of making movies comes out, and then it's it does that. But it's not. There's never going to be another yeah. first cinematic universe. Is really my point. You yeah, know what I mean? That, I mean that's that's true. Yeah. I mean like um I think it's funny that you bring up the movie thing with blockbusters because uh first off my film my I had a lot I had a bunch of film teachers and one of them he got into movies because he saw King Kong. Right. And he's old, right? <laughs> he watched King Kong and that's what got him to special effects was the King Kong movie and how amazed he was by it as a little kid, how much he loves them. And it's funny and another thing I, I saw this wasn't from a teacher, but it talked about he's like yeah, Star Wars wasn't seen as a good movie in the day. It didn't. No one look, believed look, in look it. Look up the Oscars when Star Wars came out. Didn't win any. Did not win any awards. No, the movies like that never do. I mean, that's what people always say about the Academy. Is uh, I guess there's that. There's a sweet spot in like the '90s where like movies that were popular won Oscars. Like if you look at the like the 1990, I want to say four or five or six. Whenever Pulp Fiction came out, that uh, Oscar lineup is like stacked with like. Movies that are like classic. Well, it, it just goes to show that, like, you're right, that film people don't like these newer movies. And it's because these newer movies, blockbusters fundamentally take what worked in these older movies, older blockbusters, and then change them a little bit for a newer audience. And if you watch movies a lot and you love movies and you make them a lot, you just see these things that they're doing so much. They just become so painfully obvious to you that you hate it. You're like, this is dumb. And like, um, I told my mom that I feel really, um, I feel I'm getting old because I'm, I, I've seen like, I think I saw the Sonic movie and I saw, oh, what was another movie I saw? I forgot what it was. It, it was a Sonic movie and something else where I saw it. And I'm like, these jokes and these references, these are for me. These are jokes and references that me and my friends get. And I'm like, oh, movies are being made for me now. Yeah. And that was a really, really weird thing to, to really notice. And I think going to film school honestly kind of ruined movies in a way for me because I understand them so well. And now whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, that shot does this. Oh, there's like this weird symbolism they're doing here. It's it's kind of like the um, Mark Twain poem about the Mississippi is that there's like Mississippi had a beauty to it. But when he worked on a riverboat on it for years, it loses all that beauty because you know everything about it. Like there's no wonder because you go, okay, well, here's I know this bend goes to this and it will overflow this much. And like, you know so much about it. It's just ingrained in your brain. And there's nothing to separate it. Yeah, like you, like we watched a movie today, and we whenever I watch movies, that's that's all I can see and all I think about. And it does. It takes away. And it was I didn't really get it when I first started, like freshman year of college, because I talked to like teachers, and they're like, "You movies might get ruined for you guys. Just a heads up that when you do this for years, going to the movies isn't as fun. Like it's hard to watch a movie like a normal person." <laughs> that you're laughing but it's true like it's it's weird and i and it sounds pretentious but i'm like it kind of sucks to like understand it this much but i want to if you want to make stories you want to do something artistic you need to understand it and i think that that's why movie critics don't like blockbusters it's because they understand what they're doing to a t it's just gonna make you not like them when you really understand something which is kind of weird to think about as well yeah i i agree with all that's an excellent point uh, it's just critics are awful. I think is really the takeaway of this. All I pretentious critics are awful. That's I, true. I like critics that you know just talk about symbolism and they have fun with it. Whether you agree with them or not, like on YouTube, they're like, "Oh, this is kind of like this," or they give like a 
video essay about something and you can watch two video essays on the same movie that give like a different take like one's about abuse the other one's like redemption or something right and you know i like a lot watching them and there's a level of symbolism that you can you you can watch a movie and take away whatever the hell you want from it if it's done well Mm -hmm. and but some are like this movie's bad and i'm like whenever they say that first off puts a bad taste puts a bad taste in my mouth because half the time they say it it's a very popular movie yeah oh oh absolutely people like this movie oh do you know it's actually bad don't you know i'm smarter than you it's just that like actually i'm smarter than you yeah like i know more than you and you're a dumb little baby wake up sheeple (laughs) (laughs) actually these insanely popular movies that people like they're actually not as good as this movie you've never heard of or seen that no one's ever heard of or seen you know there's an inverse thing happening and we're gonna take a little quick little sidestep because uh, i saw the movie uh the rise of Gru. A completely mediocre movie that blew up for no fucking reason. Because of the meme. It was just me. Funniest thing in the fucking world. And I've never, I haven't seen one critic talk bad about it. And I think it's funny because like, what are you going to say? It's bad. Yeah. You have have no power here, critic. (laughs) We watch it for the minions. (laughs) Banana. I'm not going to watch it. Zach tried to get me to watch it. I'm not watching that fucking movie. Uh, It's all right. It's funny. That's funny jokes in it. But you know. I'll never know. You'll, yeah, but you'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. But yeah, critics, I, I enjoy critiquing movies and I like when they critique it. I don't, I appreciate when someone looks at it and they're like, hey, this is what they did well. And this is what I think where it fell flat. I don't like it when they're like, this movie is bad. It has both all this bull crap. And half the time, the reasons are bad. Like it, they just use like buzzwords like, yeah. oh, it's derivative. It's oh my God, derivative. That's like the worst word to use. It's so overused. It's like, what is it like? it's it's derivative it's, it's, it's become derivative it's become the very thing it's where to destroy one uh one critic that i didn't like it was actually this isn't a movie it's uh, about legend of Korra. if any of you guys watched that i, I only um, watched a little bit of season just one. to insult at least one of your three uh listeners i like Korra more than i like avatar the last airbender i don't think it's objectively better you just like it more yeah when like when i dissect it i'm like no there are just clear strengths here's a hot take okay i don't see you agree with it People who like Avatar, people who think Avatar, like gush about Avatar, watch it as a kid. It's all nostalgia. I do, yeah. I was about to say that, like, when people don't like Korra, the, the, I'm like, you don't like Korra because it's not the original series. It's not Avatar. Yeah, because and I like it because it expands on it. And I, and my friend showed me this. Um, they, they were hating on me. Like, it's bad, it's bad. And first off, here's the thing: he never watched it, and he was telling me <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I tried to get him to watch it, and I, and I pushed, and I pushed. And then when they started watching it, I could tell that they weren't taking it in because they're, because they're like, this sucks, this sucks, I, this sucks. It's in their brain. I gotta see. I, have, I do that myself. I, like, I had that with like Batman. I was like, is this gonna be bad? So like, I have to be like, all right. I have to go in and not want to. I have to like be as neutral as possible going in, mm-hmm. so that everything just kind of hits me, and I go, "All right, that's happening." Do I? And I just think about it later. Because mm-hmm. if you go like, "I'm gonna hate this," you will. Yeah. Like, like there's no. There's you no. Know, to quote Avatar, if you, uh, it, this is, it was this was in Korra yeah. by Uncle Iroh. If you uh, look for the light, you'll often find it. But if you look for darkness, it's all you'll ever see. Yeah. That was in the story. Really cool quote. Yeah. Watch Core. It's an all right show. What a, what a glowing review. Watch it. It's all right. That's it. I, I like it. I liked how they expanded it. But this one guy, when he complained about it, um, you can probably find this video. You might get shit for this later on if you guys blow up and <laughs> find this video. Good. But- <laughs> no, I want it. I don't have, there's a couple, there's been a couple of times, obviously, because you're a bad friend and listen to all the episodes. I just, I love calling out just random YouTubers. That doesn't like it when I do it, but I just, YouTuber, I go, fuck you. And I just, they'll never know. If yeah. they do, who cares? <laughs> 
but well, what he had, a, he had like a, it was probably this is like an hour, hour and a half video. All right, this was a real. Was it like I, a four part video? No, it was one video. Okay, one video. I've, like, uh, there's I, some guy I've heard like a four part video about how much he didn't like Cora. Well, I think that he split it up in parts, but it was one video. Oh, okay. And there were things that he said that were bad, and my friends they kept saying when I was watching, I was arguing with it, like because one of the things they said was, um, "Well, here's one that no one argued with me because I was the animation guy," and he was like, "The animation in Cora was bad. Uh, the lip sync wasn't good," and. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's false. That's objective. You're objectively wrong. That's not true. Yeah. And they were like, well, look at all the flopping. She had like a bunch of like things flying from like a bunch of floppy parts and you have to animate. That's a lot of work. And if you notice that in the second season, she doesn't have any of that. She has shorter hair and she doesn't have all these yeah, flowing less parts. Stuff to animate. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that. And, like um, as well. they're like, it's bad. Anim-. Yes. You know, I'm like, that's not bad animation. They're like, what do you mean? She, they cut all these. I'm like, they changed her character design to make her easier to animate. So they could keep the level of animation. You just explained why they did it and why the animation's not bad. (laughs) Like, yes, they had a bigger budget, so they made her character design more dynamic. They have a smaller budget for the second season. Make the design simpler. Don't make it as hard to animate so you don't have to make it bad. Like we just said, they don't don't have a lot of time. (laughs) They don't have a lot of time. They don't need to do that. And there was things where it's like, oh, the bending, where it's like the world, they didn't explore the world, this and that, like the traditional feel of Avatar. And I'm like... Why is that bad? Let him explain it. And I'm like, okay. And then he moves on to the next part. And I'm like, well, he said these things. He's like, well, he's got to explain it. I'm like, he left that part. There was this part of the video. And he's saying these things. Well, well, he's trying to be entertaining about it. And I'm like, well. You can't have it both. (laughs) Yeah. You you guys are just trying to negate anything I have to argue. You're just trying to make me argue. And they're like, you're just contrary. And I'm like, I. <laughs> I'm con- it's everyone calls me. I, I am a little contrary, to you be are. fair. I mean, I mean, who isn't? Like, I like doing it too. I'll, I'll admit it. I'll be contrary. And I, I enjoy the argument sometimes, just for the just for the sake, just of, for the memes, really. Yeah, but I'm not nearly as contrary as people act. And the the fact that when I, when I make an argument like that, that they'll just say things that it's nostalgia. I think that a lot of Marvel fans might not like new Marvel movies, also because they grew up with Iron Man. They grew. Yeah, this is this is a different age of yeah. Marvel, guys. I hate to say it, but. At some point, I you're probably not going to like Marvel movies anymore. Because here's the thing. You're just getting older. You're yep. just going to like... You keep getting older, but the movies are still for people of that age. It's like... A, they, they do it all the time in Star Wars. But like, when are we going to have an R-rated Darth Vader movie? Never. Never. <laughs> like, he's going to... Like, we say... We said, again, I say... I'm repeating a lot of stuff we say, but we never said to you specifically. So, again, you probably agree with this. Uh, it's for kids, and so you want a movie where Darth Vader just kills people for an hour and a half and becomes an even, and the end, of, and his arc is becoming an even bigger murderer and yeah. Nazi, space I, Nazi. I would. I mean, of course, because yeah, fan service, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just not what's... only if it's kids. <laughs> I'd like a two-hour movie of him going to the Jedi Temple, finding all the younglings. Oh That's what God. I want. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> Finally, um, no one else is saying it, so I will. Call me a contrarian. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just anything. So I don't want to get too long about this because we got yeah. to talk about. So any final points? We got a little way off Thor, but I think I think the, I think you wrapped the background of Marvel, which was good. Yeah, critics are bad, and you're getting older, and you got to accept that. Really, yeah. is the thesis for this? You have to accept that these movies. I think it's to wrap up my thoughts on Thor. I think it's Thor for a new generation. It's a new generation of kids watching these movies. And I think it's very apparent because, you know, you guys didn't like it because you saw all these continuities and you're remembering all of these old Marvel movies and seeing how it connects right. and what they've set up. And you're like, this isn't how it was. This is really weird and different and kind of bad and too much humor. 
But for me, who's more disconnected from it, I liked it more. I laughed at the humor because I didn't, I wasn't it, as connected yeah. to these stories. And I think that's really what's going on here with the new age of Marvel is that it's, it's a new age of Marvel. You, right. You're not going to like everything about it. Yeah. Well said. So let's architect out of that into you know, Primal next. Oh, uh, yeah. Primal. Perfect. So. Oh, my. You guys should know, I've, I've mentioned it like several times, I'm an animator. Oh my god, I love Gendy Tartavatsky. He is the uh, director of Primal. Primal. And the thing is, this isn't even the first project we've talked about, because on the show we talked about the 2003 Clone Wars stuff. So I listened uh, to that. It's a great, I mean, that's, I really enjoyed that. And I also saw Primal, also really enjoyed it. Unpopular opinion, I like uh, the 2000, oh, 2003, right? Clone Wars, yeah. Yeah, 2003. More than I like the animated uh, Clone Wars series. I'll, yeah, Jack Jack's sweating right now. Whoa, what are you saying? Unpopular opinion. Unpopular opinion. I know. All right. The Star Wars Mafia is going to get me. <laughs> They're going to break your knees. No, no, no. It is okay. But what I do you lo- mean? What about Savage Press? <laughs> Darth Maul came back. <laughs> I love that the series, all right? It's not that I don't like that series. It's, I, I just other one more let's move on let's move on let's move on for the sake of your life i uh, know but so this is an eight episode uh half an hour each um series i don't call it mini series it's eight episodes half an hour it's pretty standard or yeah. is, is that a mini series if it's only half an hour uh who cares uh, moving on um <laughs> it was on television i think it's just a normal series. okay normal, ser- normal series on hbo max and obviously appeared on hbo uh and it as you can tell it's primal so it follows uh the adventures of a human an early, a very early human named Spear. Well, human, quote human. unquote. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I, yeah, I think that becomes very apparent that he might not really be human by the end of the he series. Might be, well, he might not be Homo sapien. Oh, I, guess, yeah. I, I guess if yeah. we're gonna get technical, and we'll, we'll yeah, get, fucking, don't worry, we'll get we'll, fucking zoo boy out here. <laughs> Technically, anyone in right, Homo right, right, is right, human. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. And his companion, a Tyrannosaurus named Fang. And I know the Bible Bet people love this show because it shows that humans were out with dinosaurs, guys. Oh my fucking man. Cra- oh, they were the and whole- there were mammoths. And, <laughs> and right? there were giant spiders. <laughs> and there were giant crocodiles. All the crocodiles were always around. But yeah. <laughs> fucking giant bats. And giant bats. <laughs> that worship the, the giant spider. <laughs> <laughs> For no or and magic, yeah. No, was it was it was it magic or was it just some fucking like I think weird it was, I steroid? It was, I thought it was like no, 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 not them. The like witches. Oh, you're not, right. Not the monkeys. The other thing and zombies. And <laughs> we have no idea where that zombie virus came from. from just out of the f- right in that sweet spot. So yeah, uh, there's a, a big part of this uh, series is that it's there's basically no dialogue until the last episode mm-hmm. because uh, Spear can't talk. And Fang is a animal. well spear. Spear can't. Spear doesn't speak. There's no reason to. Yeah, you know, spear, like, spear, yeah. Spear doesn't have a spoken language, and it's just, he'd be talking to himself. And Fang is a dinosaur, so they can't talk. And so it basically follows their misadventures. It's the classic trope of man gets a dog that isn't a dog. Yeah. And I personally, I'm a sucker for that trope. I love God, it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I bite it every time. <laughs> every time Hook, like, line oh. sinker. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's not a dog. I love it. Though. If I saw that trope uh, connected to a hook, I'd bite it all day. <laughs> they pull me out of the water. I, we got a big one <laughs> flopping around. Take my picture. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts. I'll let you say yours first. Oh yeah, perfect. Really enjoyed the series. I it was the animation is it's beautiful. It's very crisp, very fluid. There's a lot of interesting things. I'm a, as we talked about Jurassic Park thing and. Some of the science corners we've done. I'm a big paleontology guy, and you are as well. Uh, I'm I, going. 
and the big, I, as you said, zoo boy. I cannot believe that you were so salty seeing these dinosaurs with animals in that episode. Because I listened for it because I, I knew I was going to be on here. And I'm like, he is such a barnacle, dude. It is so <laughs> fucking cool to see triceratopses and elephants <laughs> and all these cool dinosaurs together. And he's like, <laughs> the ecosystem, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no one gives a fuck. <laughs> I want to see dinosaurs <laughs> hang out with animals. <laughs> they are animals. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm someone who cares. <laughs> Whatever. All right, continue. Oh, uh, don't worry. It's funny because I'll just cut all that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. Uh, the di- Yeah, I know it's not accurate because you know dinosaurs went around with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always said there are mammoths and giant spiders and very thick snow drifts and fang and spear don't just die in the snow. <laughs> um, but I like it all. Uh, the one scene, the first opening scene I want to talk about real quick that I always, I don't love because of, uh, is when, when he's f- hunting for the fish and then that giant crocodile, sh- uh, crocodilian shows up. Yeah. I don't like, I don't, I don't like those guys. I don't like big crocodiles or spooky. Yeah. And I was like, oh, jump scare. But I just covered their eyes. Yeah, if you cover their eyes, they they calm down immediately. And if you hold the, and you can like stand on their, if you put your foot on, they can't open their mouth. Yes, I saw. So I think I sent you the video where it was like a crab and it, like, like pinched the mouth of a crocodile, and it couldn't open. And it, it and it's like no, and the caption was like, "You don't understand. It literally can't open its mouth right now." Yeah, because <laughs> all their all their muscles have been made to like drop as hard as possible, and they don't like they like uh, trade it off for it. But yeah, I mean, I I can't. Uh, but there's only one episode that I don't. I don't love, uh, but we can get into like episode by episode kind of stuff in a minute here, and I'll, uh, you know, well, I'll bring you in if I need to, but I'll let you go into your animation mode. Oh my god, Genny Tarvatsky, if you guys don't know, he uh, his first major, I actually did a paper on him, he uh, was from Russia, and he, I believe he- Really? With a name like Gendy Tretikovsky, he's not, he's from <laughs> Eastern Europe? You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I thought he was from- he um he's from Russia. He came to America, and you know they he grew up reading comics, watching movies a lot, and drawing. And he fell in love with drawing there. Came to America. He went to college. He um he went to Cal Art actually. Oh. Cal, which is if you don't know it, it's the animation school. It's like Disney's animation school. It was like made by Disney. And um he went in there for illustration. But while he was there, he found animation, and he made friends with a lot of big animators. Uh, like the ones who made uh, Fairly Odd Parents and uh, James Baxter. Yeah, he met like really big people, and then he had to drop out of college because he couldn't afford it. <laughs> oh, really, yeah, Disney College. <laughs> he went to Spain. He was an in betweener for Batman the Animated Series, so he drew the frames. For those who don't understand the um, process of animation, how it happens is that you start off with a storyboard, which is like which is like a comic of what's happening, and then when you animate. You have like two poses, so like the fist might be like clenched and then the fist out for a punch, and then in betweening is every thing in between, every picture in between, the, the in between stuff. Yeah, and so that's what he did, and he did that in Spain. And then after that stopped, he since he had friends from Cal Arts and he made a lot of you know connections, he was able to join the Hanna Barbera Studio. The, those are the people that made Jetsons, Flintstones, Yogi Bear. Uh, they were known for their limited animation. I want to say they also worked on Tom and Jerry, but I'm not sure. And so he went on them and Hanna-Barbera was just bought by Cartoon Network at that point. And they were like, Cartoon Network, we're just going to have this to run old Hanna-Barbera cartoons and we'll just make money off that. But something that changed that the owner of Cartoon Network was like, hey, what if we get like new people come in and we'll and if they have a show idea, we'll, we'll let them make a pilot. We'll put the pilot on our show. And if it 
it's popular, we'll give them a series. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they started doing that, and that's why they made Boomerang. So like, okay, Boomerang is where we'll put all our old shows, and the Cartoon Network will be our new shows. And um, that's it, where we get all the like the golden age of Cartoon Network with like you mentioned before, Johnny Bravo, yeah. Dexter, Count yep. Chicken, uh, yeah, other you, such cartoons i'm glad you mentioned dexter's because um Kenny Pardavosky made dexter's laboratory that was his first cartoon it was a film idea he had and he pitched it to the guy who was in charge or whatever and the, in, in an interview he talked about it he was like it was the perfect cartoon it open open to like any story that could happen a simple premise dexter's age is ambiguous strong character little character design that you can easily recognize and it did really well and it won a shit ton of awards and uh, the writers that were on it and the team that was on it were the people that it was the guy who who made Fairly Odd Parents, Family Guy worked on it, the main guy who made Johnny Bravo, who made Powerpuff Girls. All of these people were on the team for yeah. Dexter's. Like like the like like an old Simpsons team. Like they had all these like comedy greats that would go on to do all so, the great things. To say that uh, he had talent on his team is an understatement. He had the talent. He had like, that- <laughs> he had the dream team. Yeah, essentially. Like- and also, one of the guys who worked on it is just made a show, The Loud House. Is that I the guy who made no. that worked on Dexter's Laboratory? That makes sense. So it's it's. I love real. that show. Yeah, I like it. But you know, so he made that. He made Samurai Jack. He did all this stuff. Primal. He made Primal and his uh, his ideas on it. He's like, I wanted to slow animation down. He's like, everything's so fast paced. I want to slow it down. And I think he did that really well in this series. It's not it's not scared to just. L- have a slow, have a slow shot. Just let you take it in. He's just walking through the woods. It doesn't need to be this crazy, funny thing. Explosions, no lightning, yeah. And you know, for all for how intense and like, exciting its action is, and how great the audio is to like really immerse you, the slow shots are honestly some of the some of the best ones. He's also known for some of his ridiculous plot points and silliness, which can be seen in the uh, 2003 uh, Star Wars. Right. Yeah. No, that's my little gush about Kenny Tartavatsky. I love him, but uh, so, the, oh, sorry. the show itself, I like it. I think I enjoy that it does. It's not realistic. I don't need it to be realistic. It's more fun this way. First episode, I remember thinking how how deep. I'm like, damn, dude, he just lost his fucking family. That's yeah. that's kind of <laughs> that's bonkers. Yeah, well, that, that's a good thing you bring up. So the we'll start with kind of the series overview part. We don't really have any way we actually do this. We just kind of ramble about what we like, and then we go. That's probably enough time, and then we stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the show starts off the like inciting incident is that big red T Rex, which red is important, is a like, few, a few of them, a few of them attack uh, Spears' family, and he's real distraught. He's hunting them down, and while he's hunting them, he comes across uh, this other T Rex who's blue, uh, who's turns who's fang, because she's she's got a fang sticking out. An important uh, an important thing to know is that um, this series won awards because it has no dialogue. So when we say their name, you don't know their names unless you look at the credits. Yeah. Like you would, you like just in the credits, they are called Spear the Caveman and then Fang the T-Rex. Just throw that yeah, out there so yeah. people know. It's not like they're wearing big name tags and yeah. they shake hands or There's something. no dialogue in this and, entire And show. at the same time, Fang has two young T-Rexes and they kind of start to bond with, with Spear and he's like, oh, you know, I'm sad, but you know, it's fine. And then the red ones come and kill the, and eat the babies and Fang is distraught and then Spear kill help kills all of them or one of them i, I think um you don't uh i don't think you did address this it wasn't just that like he found the t-rexes and he liked them he was about because the t-rexes came they killed that spear was hunting for his family he was fishing and then when he comes back he sees his family getting murdered and eaten by all these t-rexes and we like just see shadows of his family and you see his kids get eaten and then he almost there's like a whole scene when he almost kills himself but then he doesn't and then he goes out and he sees fang but he doesn't know like who Fang is yet. 
or that he's not that she's not the t-rex that attacked him that attacked him and when he follows her he's about to kill her and he sees that she has a family and she has two t-rexes and it's like a whole emotional moment and he's like oh my god oh my god they you have, have kids <laughs> <laughs> i thought only i had kids and then the big t-rexes come and i think he like they work together and kill yeah, them i i remember he like the i think i think fang bites the one like face of the t-rex and rips off its like muzzle and i was yeah. like jesus it's brutal this show was also is not afraid to just show visceral violence mm-hmm. so the uh, the phantom raptor episode just explodes i don't mm-hmm. really under- understand that one this feels like he's a weird magic raptor but it's whatever <laughs> i don't know hey <laughs> <laughs> big spiders bass worshiping it hey uh so that's kind of the inciting incident and that's and everything else in the show is kind of just like things during their journeys there's no like this is at day four just kind of them becoming friends and becoming kind of you know dog that's not a dog trope mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of coming and then it's just like you know little anthology of like this is the time that they were in the snow for some reason and they take a bunch of mammoth bones and mammoths get real mad about it and they come and get them they never go to the same location twice which right really, of course it's very which is what you want um well, and there's not too much of a story it's just kind of like here's what they're doing this day so we're doing this day up until the last episode where they find like we said a a woman who doesn't really who's who's bald and she has a wooden thing around her neck and she's clearly a slave she's mm-hmm. what and they find her and they're like what's up with this lady she doesn't eat meat she's just like what's and she's yeah, always like, praying uh, to this god they were just chilling by the beach and then out of nowhere like out of the water they just see this woman jump out of it and run into the woods and like yeah spear goes and chases her and fang could not care less like, <laughs> fang's like who cares about that weird thing that just jumped out of the water <laughs> i just want this fish but it was we come to find out is that she seems to be from a civilization of like actual humans and it's interesting because it's like we have there is no other indication throughout the entire show that there is anything like this yeah because spear and his family are the only humanoid things we've ever seen there's not even like apes yeah there are there apes yeah oh there literally are apes only hominins yeah. or not hominins. Nope. This, this she's hominids. very distinctly human. Yeah, and, she's distinct. And, and, she's and human proportions. Fa- the, Spear is like a fridge of a man. Literally looks like a fridge come to life. He's, like he's, a, he's square. He's yeah. a square man, and she is like feminine and like slender and very clearly like a human. Well, there are just several things that are just so different that up to this point, the closest thing to civilization we've run into a few a few times, like. There was the spider episode when we saw like these weird ape looking humans that like lived under a rock where well, the that bats were. Was it? Is that the same thing with the spider? The apes were yeah. the spider as well. Well, they were like underneath like the rock, and they were just some weird. No, these were like these. These were different. Oh, apes. The, right. We had those those, those those weird apes. Yeah, like they were some weird like they were hairless, but they were definitely not human. Yeah, not human. And then at, there was a point when they you they ran into like this weird ape society. And, like, the apes took steroids and fought dinosaurs and were, like, really, like, aggressive or whatever. And they actually referenced this society or something like it again while they're traveling before they meet Mara. And, like, they, they, I remember there's a shot where he looks and he's like, hey, like, we're, like, you see, like, indicators of, like, the society. So, we're like, oh, shit. Like, there are there more ape societies in this world that are doing these crazy things? And he's kind of worried about it, but it's whatever. Right. But she's really the first time we see something that's like, like you said, like this is human. She's slender. She's taller. She has a tattoo on her back that, like, he immediately notices that looks like a scorpion. He's like, 
what's going on. She prays to the moon every night. Like we can see her praying and doing these weird symbols. Mm. Um, she doesn't eat meat. Yeah, she doesn't eat meat. She speaks. She cooks. She actually goes around and she collects ingredients and she cooks something. And she tries to feed it to Spear who like tries it and listens, <laughs> spits right. it out and just keeps eating meat. You know, and something that she does is that there's a point when they're hunting and Fang tries to catch something that's running away, fails. Spear throws his spear and fails and they're like upset. Then out of nowhere, out of like out of frame, you see an arrow fly and hit it on the mark and they're shocked. They're like, what is that? And it's her. She made a bow and arrow. Which, you know, was really weird to them. So it shows that this is not, like, anything in this world. This is, like, human. Yeah, and then it's exemplified by the fact that she's kidnapped and taken on a boat. Yeah. So there's, a, oh, yeah, yeah. They have, there's like, a whole, like, a wooden ship, a large ship that yeah. sails away. So it shows that, okay, what's going on here? There's more to this world than maybe we realize. Yeah. Because if they're building boats, they're, they must be pretty far. Again, no one speaks in this Except for Mara. Well, Mara speaks, but it's a foreign language. It's completely... It, if you look up subtitles, if you put subtitles on, it won't even give you what she's saying. It's just kind it's, of gibberish. It's, yeah, it's, it's all it's all visual. Yeah. You could, you could argue that the only real thing that's ever said is her name, because she points at herself and says, Mara, that's her name. And, uh, spoiler, at the end of the series, the first thing that Spear ever says is Mara when he sees her gets taken away. And we see her, like, draw pictures of, like, some guy with, like, what looks like a man in armor who like is on like a temple or some kind of big structure and like there are people whatever and, and she's like and she's a slave clearly. yeah so it's it's clearly there's a society here there are slaves there are temples they build boats they have uh, they cook they cook they, they have, have religion they, yeah it's it's clearly advanced you know I, at first i was like why aren't they on this continent but then i thought about it i'm like would i really want to go to a continent with giant spiders and dinosaurs and no, weird fuck. and weird bats and yeah like, fuck that place <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it just makes me, it makes it seem weird because, is there a season two coming? Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, it's coming out this uh, this this fall. Really? Yeah. Oh. I just, I, I follow Genny Tartavatsky on Instagram and he posted a picture, <laughs> he posted a picture of Fang and Spear and he has like his spear up on Fang and there are arrows shooting everywhere. So, uh, they, <laughs> they get to, <laughs> they build a boat. <laughs> <laughs> they get somewhere. All right, let's show me the picture. I want to yeah. see. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, they're going. He's got nuts. a sword. Yeah, he's going nuts, man. He's got two swords. So yeah, they're building. They have iron working. They clearly have weapons. There's like refined weapons. Oh yeah, that looks sick as hell. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's really cool. I'm interested to see where it goes. He's just trying to get his trying to get his lady back and uh, the first woman they've ever seen. Apparently, this is this is spoiling a lot. Actually, maybe I shouldn't. I should stop it like this. But they build a boat. Here's a boat that they're on. Clearly, that's how, that's how they're gonna get there. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah. Well, and there it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, this boat has like sails. It's like a Viking ship, it yeah. seems. So they, which is which makes sense. makes sense. You wouldn't want Vikings. Are you could argue that Vikings had the best designed ship because you could go into open sea or you could stay in a channel. In, yeah, go into rivers. So it's a brilliant design. Shout out Clearly, the Vi- shout out the Vikings. Yo, shout out to the Norsemen. <laughs> <laughs> Those northern guys. Oof, they knew how yeah. to do it. But uh, I love the series. It's just so interesting. I try to show it to people, but everyone gets so queasy with the violence, and I'm like, oh, "You guys are this, such- these liberal gen- this liberal generation. You guys sound like prey right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's prey mentality. I'm on my predator wavelength. But you know, I I'm really excited for it, and I think it's just he said. Gendy said that when he was making it, he wanted to go for a Conan the Barbarian kind of feel, where it's just like random shit happening and random monsters, and I think it worked very well. And I'm glad that he's bringing it into what seems to be a more uh, serialized storyline. Yeah. 
because I I don't think you could do what he did for season one. Not 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 after the end of not ever season two. Yeah, like, one thing I am I guess trepidatious about. Just a big word on you here. Yeah, well, that's an SAT <laughs> word. <laughs> hey, I got, got a, I got my little calendar. Um, hold on, let me look up what trap. Let me look at the definition of trap. For there are those who don't know what whatever the fuck Jack just said means. It means I'm nervous. Trap. He's really looking it up, listeners. Apprehensive or nervous, filled with trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> you should just say full of trepidation. That's what it means. If you're trepidatious about foreign travel, start with an English-speaking country. Thanks, dictionary.com. All right, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what I'm apprehensive of <laughs> about this season is that how the world building will shake out. Because, like we said, the continent, at least that they live on, that Spear and Fang have lived on, is fucking full of everything. It's got weird magic steroids and ape religion and mammoths and deep snow and wolves. It's a big continent. And, like, weird phantom raptors that are like zombies zombies <laughs> yeah like that yeah that weird disease that those brontosauruses get it's got every kind of dinosaur regardless of actual cretaceous jurassic jurassic period it's got apes it's got big bats it's if, got it's, big spiders. if it's big and scary and will kill you it is uh, on this that, continent yeah. <laughs> we got it it's it's got everything and it's got weird hominid uh humans quite like early humans like neanderthal or whatever you want to say even not neanderthal but whatever it is so i'm I, one thing i'm worried about is that if they go to this continent and there's none of it on their continent, I'm going to be like, why? Probably because they're there and they have fucking... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, yes, probably wouldn't be as many of these things, but I, I would hope that there are, like, that they're riding big animals. That, like, are big... They're not just riding horses. They're riding, like, big wolves or I, big something. I'm very... I, I have a different opinion on that. Because okay. Because here's my logic. The reason they're so advanced is because the things that are on this continent aren't there. Right, and I, I think that, that, and uh, I think that a mixture of maybe they just killed them, may and be maybe the things that are really dangerous that you really wouldn't be able to kill otherwise just aren't there. And uh, the reason there aren't more human settlements on this continent is because because they obviously have seafare. So showing that they know how to sail and they understand how to sail, and which begs the question: Why aren't they on this continent more? Why isn't their presence more? Why the hell? Would we want to live on this feral ass continent? <laughs> that's true. It's wild, whatever. So I think that's kind of my lot. What I'm inclined to believe, where I'm like, yeah, I think he, they will have a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, just to keep it going. Because I, I think it'd be disappointing if it's just like Fang and horses. Yeah, I mean, um, it'd be cool to watch him watch her eat horses and I, shit. But I'm excited just to see how these people freak out from having a real. Well, Mara was terrified when she first saw Fang. She was like, "What the hell?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'd freak out too, bro. What? What is?" <laughs> get your dog it, it don't bite yes it yes it, it does. does yes that thing does that 100 does bite i watched it eat those fish oh. yeah, i guess you were coming from that yeah i don't like people disagree with me so i'm gonna cut all that out but i appreciate uh. you giving it anyway uh. <laughs> it's just an awkward cut just, yes i agree everything you said jack so i want to talk about like a, I don't know, a weird thing is one episode i don't like we can do with favorite least favorite episodes it's my least favorite episode it's probably it's the one where they like find that weird witch time cult thing and they do that ritual and they summon that like ethereal being. I thought you were gonna say the mammoth episode. I would have been so mad. No. I thought you were gonna be like it was too cold, and I would have been like Jesus I mean, it, Christ. I mean, it is too cold. Shut up. I mean, Jeff, <laughs> Shut up, Jeff, Jack. No one cares. It is too cold. <laughs> no one cares how cold it is. <laughs> no, but it is too cold. Is that because like I feel like that's almost a step too far into the like weird and like absurd. Because I'm like, well, it kind of like takes me out of it. Because I'm like, all right, well, what? Why are they doing magic? And what? What's with the time travel? 
Like, why? It feels like this is not the right show for it. Yeah, that's what it is. Come on, the damned. Come watch the whole episode real quick. So you refresh <laughs> right yourself. On, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, just read, read. Pretty Woman seeks his group. Some black men. Um, I, honestly, I, I don't remember the episode that well. I remember a lot of stuff, but um, I didn't have it. What was your issue with it? Just because it's too magical? Just because just it was like, it felt like a step too far. Like, everything else was kind of like reasonable like okay the apes have a very borderline like religion society they have this weird steroid but i can get along with that and all the animals are there and fa- but like they like summon a being and they're doing like ancient magic which i you know i like ancient magic as much as the next guy but it feels like it's not the place do i love primordial primordial forces beyond our comprehension <laughs> yes <laughs> my lord cthulhu um, <laughs> real real chainsaw man moment uh <laughs> shout out to chainsaw man new season coming out soon let's Watch go it hope that comes up in the podcast yeah. oh it is it was a little okay nice. it'll, it'll be there yeah. i don't know i didn't mind i expect as soon as like i knew that i didn't i went into it knowing that everything you see here isn't really gonna make sense it's not the point it's the experience i think i would have been more upset if there was like science like if i see like an alien ship i'm like you've broken you've broken this world it's too much but just to see magic and i'm like yeah sure man i've i've, I've seen him hulk out drinking some kind of weird black steroid thing yeah and I've seen a giant fucking spider that shoots webs out of its mouth and just bats. <laughs> just um, bats. So just, many bats. Just bats. Um, I've never seen a bat before. I, I didn't mind it. There was no episode I could really say was my least favorite if I had to pick one. To gun pick to your head. Gun yeah, to your head. Gun to my head. I have to say what this one is the worst. Honestly, I'd probably. My, I'm going to say the first came to my mind. It was the episode where Fang and, Fang and Spear were trying to get along. First, that, the yeah, first episode it was the second episode the second episode when they like they have a whole episode where they have to get to used to each other and the reason i don't like that episode is first off i just get bored and it's it's about like them trying to get respect and trying to get a dynamic going i didn't like it because i was like first off i don't feel like fang really respects spear at the end of it or has a reason to yeah i don't really think he proves why they need each other and consistently, it shows Fang doing most of the heavy lifting, which makes sense. It's a he's a he's a, t- dino- he's a T-Rex. Yeah. Um, and I guess I just it just didn't jive with me. I'm like, I could watch this episode, and if you skipped that episode, nothing changes. Yeah. It's like, oh right, they're friends now. The reason they're friends, uh, yeah, they fought dinosaurs together. Now they're just, you know, yeah. why, why not? Why not? Who cares? Dog, it's not a dog kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's a fuck, there's a giant fucking spider. <laughs> I can't get away. <laughs> My favorite episode might be the spider. <laughs> I just love the mammoth episode. Uh, the mammoth episode. I don't like the mammoth episode. I just you just get on science a lot when <laughs> when you critique stuff, and it, I'm just like so salty, such a salty barnacle. Hey. And <laughs> but hey, no, on it, my own oh, show, hey. in my own <laughs> dojo, you just do it so often. Why can't we just have dinosaurs? I don't like it. <laughs> um, they killed those dinosaurs. God no. <laughs> I want dinosaurs, dude. Whatever. If I went to a black market and they're like, "Do you want to buy a dinosaur?" Yeah, bro, I'll, I'll release them to the wild right now. I'd kill that dinosaur. You could try. Yeah, I, a gun would do it. Something that big, dude. You can shoot it. You, you could shoot a uh, shoot a rhino and it probably won't die. Well, it depends where you hit it. That's true. Shoot in the heart. You're, you're the that good of a shot. It's pretty big. The heart's going to be proportionally large. What if they have multiple hearts? I guess I'll shoot those too. How will you here, know? Here's the, here's the thing. Okay. If you had two, four hearts, and I shot you one of those hearts, you wouldn't just keep going like nothing happened. A fourth of your your circulatory system has been ruptured and destroyed. Well, you see, the, the pathway has been broken. They they evolved brilliantly so that they didn't one, evolve because they were made. They were made <laughs> ingeniously <laughs> so that if one heart dies, even better. <laughs> I can write this off so much easier now. <laughs> I don't have to listen to science. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
Uh, I guess I would say my favorite episode. They're all pretty good. Phanasaur or the oh, the ape one when they did the, the mm-hmm. ape fight. The, I think that's good. That one reminded me of Hulk a lot. And I it felt did. Weird we turned green. It. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, fine, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and it was very also very brutal. I think I, 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 I would agree. Like that one and the one after where he has to like defend Fang. Yeah, when, when he has to heal Fang, I thought that was interesting. Because, th- you know, I'm like, first off, you're really showing human ingenuity. Yeah, you're the entire show, really, he shows human ing- ingenuity and how smart he is. Like, you know, even though he's not, he's a primitive humanoid thing and um, he very clearly isn't really human, but close enough. Yeah. Consistently just comes up with ideas on the fly showing how smart he is. And what you can improvise. And what I really like about that is just it doesn't feel it feels genuine where when you have a smart character in shows or in movies, it can come off as they just know what to do. I just the writer needs this to happen. So he's like, Well, I'm so smart I can figure out exactly the solution. Instantly. But every time he does it, he looks around first and you can see him panic. And his solutions are like, Yeah, he looked at a rock, he found a stick and he tied it there. Good enough. Good enough. And a lot of people wouldn't be able to think of that, but that is quick thinking. And then we see that even in his downtime, he's making tools. He's making other spearheads. Yeah. Like, he's clearly an an intelligent creature and an empathetic one at that. Yeah. So I I really appreciate that and show that he has value, that he's intelligent, that Fang would would get pretty far in this world, but Fang wouldn't be able to survive as well without Spear there to really think it through. And uh, I, I enjoy that. I think... If that was, if they had that episode sooner, where it really showed him defending him, and that was the episode that made Fang be like, "All right, I'm gonna listen to this guy. This, all right, you know what? I'm your dog. You're my owner. That's the deal." Yeah. I also I like in the episode when they first got Mara. I like how how Fang was kind of protective over Spear, and we like would lay with him and like laugh at Mara <laughs> for the dumbest crap. And I'm like, that that's funny. That's yeah. cute and funny. Live when the dog laughs. Uh, so I think we've droned on long enough about an eight-episode series where nobody talks. <laughs> so now let's get into something animated that I didn't like at all. What? I didn't like it at all. You didn't like it at all. Oh, I didn't like it oh, fucking yeah. at let's all. Just, let's just keep saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Fritz. Fritz the Cat, 1972? 70. Let's look it up. You were right. <laughs> I'm so fucking smart. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Fritz the Cat is a 1972 animated film and the first ever R-rated animated film. It was based on a comic called Fritz the Cat. There, they do some their differences. Oh. It's it's a little different, and the a comic or author doesn't like how the movie turned out for a few reasons. But yeah, it's I I honestly like this movie. It, uh, um, they're it, all here's the thing. Okay, you can go. It's R-rated because a lot of like. Sex and violence and drugs. Yeah. And they're all animals. So that's a lot of animals having sex. Just put that right there on the table. That's kind of what it is. It's, it's under an hour and a half, so it's not even a 90-minute feature. Uh, and I wish it was shorter. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't like it at all. And I know, haha, Jack hates everything he's ever seen, which, I don't know. So true, so, so true. <laughs> but Finally, like, he said something honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, if, if he'll wait off my chest. I feel enlightened now. Did it just get sunnier outside? <laughs> Shut up. All right. All right. All right. I, it's, I can say it. It's, it's my word. Keep going, Jack. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. There was nothing to it. Like, there's just like, it just feels like things that happen is... and feel like the metaphors get a little mixed a little bit and then it just kind of ends i think the uh, first half of the movie is really good 
For those who don't know, Fritz the Cat is um, it's about a English major college student. He's a it's anthropomorphized animals, so like animals, but they are basically like Zootopia. Yeah, it's like like Zootopia. It's R rated Zootopia essentially. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And so you know, and it's just a metaphor for so for like social political commentary in the '60s. And it opens up with saying that oh, the '60s were a crazy time. They were a great time. They were a crazy time. I think that it had a really strong beginning, and I liked a lot of the stuff and what it was going on. I one of the critiques of the movie was the ending. Kind of felt like it was like what what is it? It was it was very to explain it to people who don't know. I'm gonna have to assume that the three of you who are listening have heard this before, have watched it. The ending. I wouldn't assume that. Not, well, I'm gonna. <laughs> At the spoilers end, for Fritz the Cat. Yeah, spoilers for Fritz the Cat. It's very realistic. There isn't a lot of cartooniness in it, and for the most part, throughout the entire film, it follows real world logic more or less. Where like if you get shot, you die. <laughs> if you blow up, you, you die. die. Yeah. There is there is racism. There is sexism. There are drugs. And at the end, he's in this huge accident, and there's like this big pause of like seriousness and whatever. And they say a ho- and they say a whole thing. And then Fritz just like cartoonishly says, oh, and I'm fine. He starts trying to have sex again because this character is just a very horny college kid who's liberal. Um, he wants to like, and he's, all really, he's really naive about the world and stuff, yeah, which well, I did well, see. Let, let, let's go through the film. We'll run, run through it. If uh, You've seen it sooner. So if I miss something, just yeah, chime I'll in. Chime in. It starts off, you know, it actually, it starts off with, oh, 60s were a crazy time. They were a good time. They were a crazy time. And then we, uh, it opens up with these girls trying to something controversial about it. That's more controversial, controversial today than it was back in the seventies. Uh, black people are represented by crows. Yeah. And uh, before you guys, something are- interesting about that is that's the only time they do that. No, they do it twice. They they well, they do the thing when they make a group an animal mm-hmm. and they're black people crows, which is. Because Jim Crow, yeah. I assume that's why. Yeah. Not great, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they make all the lions Jewish. No, they don't make lions Jewish. Thought, what are the, Pigs. No, no, no. The, in the synagogue, all the rabbis are like lions. Oh, you're right. I, I forget. The one I pig cop. All the cops are pigs. Yeah. But then. There was one. Yeah. And But then Fritz the Cat is supposed to be a white guy, very clearly, because he references that fact. He goes, oh, you know, what the cats have done and mm-hmm. all of that. But there are other animals. Like, there are yeah. rabbits and dogs and stuff. That are other, the dog says she's Jewish, but then there's just like an aardvark and like a weasel maybe and a rabbit I think and a lizard. And so it, it's like, we're, we're mixing metaphors here, man. Like, well, it actually, it's, it's it, weird. It got in trouble for uh, that one pig cop because the pig was a uh, Jewish. And apparently a lot of them were like, we're not allowed to eat pork. Yeah. That's very bad it's to kosher. show. Yeah. That's not good. So that's interesting. And when I first heard that, like, obviously, if the Jewish community isn't okay with it, don't show them that way. I always thought, I'm like, well, doesn't that make sense that they would be a pig then? Because wouldn't a pig not eat other pigs? Like, wouldn't a pig not eat pork? Yeah. But, you know, you know, they didn't like that. And I'm like, yeah, he got flack for that, which he should if you're they don't want to be shown that way. The Jim Crow thing, when I first watched it, I agree. I'm like, showing them as crows. I was like, oh, where are you going with this? <laughs> What's happening? Uh, Ralph Bakshi is the director. They say the uh, N-word well, at least once. Do they? Yeah, in like the beginning when those three girls are talking to that crow, he says the N-word. Uh, yeah, it's I, I laughed because it, it I laughed when I watched it because of how the references it made about the 60s were just so eerily familiar 
to what's going on. And when I watched this, this when I watched it, it was right after, um, it was right around the time of George Floyd. Yeah. And all this conversation was really coming to a head, uh, as it does in uh, situations like that. To see these conversations happen and to know this was made in the 60s, and this was, the movie was made in the 70s, and it was about the 60s, really just, like, jeez, jeez. And I spin up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're still spinning the wheel, aren't yeah. we? Um, and I, I think that's really the my favorite part of the film is not for not because it's good, but just because it's eerie. Timely? Eerie. It's like yeah, eerie. Okay, that's yeah, a good it's, way to there's, say it. there's an eerie sense that I'm like, why, damn, that really it it made me think a lot about it. And I'm like, it's still going on, huh? Nothing's changed. And there was one line that made me feel like it really redeemed, at least from the crow standpoint, the uh, the thing with the the whole issue with that. And it was because he, like the one crow character said, uh, you don't know shit unless you're a crow. And, you know, I've, I've heard that only they don't say crow. They say you don't really know shit about racism unless you're black. And I'm yeah. like, I can understand yeah. that. I understand. Like, right. If you're not, if you're, not if you're white, you don't really yeah, get well, it. Especially re- in this country. Will you really get it? Probably not. No. Like, you'll you'll have an understanding. But, but not, you, won't. you won't have the same kind of deep. Yeah. yeah. And Again, we're two white guys saying this. So yeah. <laughs> take this well, as you I'm, will. I'm trying to be as respectful as possible. Right. And uh, I... I think that this movie didn't do things well with that. I think that it made a lot of took a lot of decisions that were probably very liberal at the time. <laughs> yeah, and things that and just things kind of just happen. Just like why is this happening? I thought it was pretty streamlined for all the uh, parts up until he leaves the city. Yeah, well, like right before he leaves the city, when that guy takes him when he to that place, or before he does the speech, and that lady just pulls four joints out of her fucking vagina and smokes him up and then just has sex with him it's like what is this what is the purpose of this like what what are we advancing here well that was just i think that was just setting him up to send him somewhere else yeah and uh, i'm I'm fine with that my issue when they met the nazis there's a point where he meets nazis and bad people well the important thing to context is that fritz the cat is a quote-unquote liberal he's, essentially he's a liberal white guy right he's a he is a white college student who's in new york city who's obsessed with racial equality and he wants to be the next big writer he wants to be an artist but he's wasting his time in school because he's a writer mm. and he wants to like and when he does stuff to like help he he, he he's a satire for the white person who wants to be the hero yeah and wants to save all these things but really doesn't get it and really isn't helping really doesn't care yeah. and all he really wants is to have sex smoke joints and be a hero and be remembered in history for something great and you know the entire movie points out real issues and real dynamics as fritz kind of stumbles through them and bad things happen and he ends up having to leave new york city because there's a huge riot and a bunch of people die a bunch of you know a bunch of people die and cops are get violent Uh, he ends up having to leave and fritz is like oh are they looking for me at the fbi and they're like no one's looking for you fritz you and that's kind of the whole satirical point of it where it's like you're not that important you're not that important you're not doing anything important you're not even helpful and you don't even get the issues that you're trying to champion which you shouldn't be championing in the first place they they don't want you to be the figurehead of this they have their own figureheads that actually understand this kind of there's even a point when he like says a slur he like calls them boy in the in in a bar with with like uh with everyone there and they all stop and look at him he's like oh jesus we gotta get out yeah we have to leave dude i can't believe you just said that and it just you know and again, that's part of the reason I like it. Is I'm like, yeah, I know people like that. I, I went to college. I know people like that's that. That's most people in college, really. Yeah. It's like, a lot of people. And those things, and like you said, like we said about like the issues, like I mean, things don't really change. There's the liberal white person in 
college in the 60s kind of happens every time we see them today in 2020 like they're just these kind of people who yeah and you know who just don't get it i think either listen i not it's not a diss to everyone they're obviously people who care and do the right thing but they're also people who don't get it and um think they're doing the right yeah, thing. yeah we're more chauvinistic about it um and i think that's the real value of it as a just story in general i do i do agree and that's something that was it's critiqued for is that it kind of doesn't have a point yeah. this movie's point all of these great metaphors and all these great things that it was doing and building up to social commentary about uh, the chauvinistic liberal, the privilege, the real issues that people have to deal with, the police brutality and people getting killed in the streets, Nazis doing things to destroy things and not getting punished for it. All of these things are really built up and then it just ends with him trying to have sex with a bunch of people in a hospital and laughing with no injury. And it's like, well, what's the point? And I think that's the real issue. Yeah, I, I I agree. I just didn't see a point. I also, I mean, it's it's not very high quality animation from my perspective as a layman. I feel... Well, it was made in the 70s. It was made in the 70s, so I can't really fault it. But there are a particular thing that stood out to me is the bottles in the bar scene. In the, in the, I don't like saying it, but in the crowbar. I don't like, I don't like saying that because it's out of the allegory, mm-hmm. truthfully. Um, but in the bar... The bottles look like they were colored in by marker, like by a two-year-old. It's all streaky, and there are parts that are thicker than others. And I'm like, everything well, else is solid. It was intentional. I think part of it was um, a look. Um, part of it is when it's going to be animated. It was common back in the day. That's true. It, honestly, into the 90s, it was common to be able to know when something was going to be animated from the background just by looking at it. Yeah. Like, uh, if you even in Dragon Ball Z, if you go back to like the original animation... There was like a shot where it showed like a big cliff and everything was pastel painted background. And then you just see like one part of the cliff that's just less detailed. And you're like, and then it fell and you're like, that's why it wasn't detailed. Right. The, uh, so I think that was it. Also, there's just an appeal to like a more loose, colorful style that if you really like art, you'll like it. But I understand compared to like more crisp, full color detailed things, it's, it's not as good. It was also the 70s, so I'm not going to act like this animation holds. Is it, is it really? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it has an, I think it has an appeal. I didn't mind it. I think it was very tame, but I also think that was part of the part of the um, goodness of this film for most of it is that despite being animated and having caricatures of like and these animals and this and this and all, whatever, they didn't do anything that was you needed to be animated. Like, right. You could have filmed it and it would have been fine, but you know, uh, I understand if you, if, you, if you don't like if you're not, you have to like animation to a certain degree, and like yeah. really like art to really like uh, some of this older stuff. It's, it's visually, just, yeah, it's just yeah, the visual stuff not for me. And then like didn't help that I like couldn't get couldn't get down with like fits and stuff. So it's just like the things that compound. So I, if, if you're not in, invested in one part, I'm just you're just gonna nitpick everything. You are just, not supposed to like fits. Well, I, I'm not supposed <laughs> to, but it's like I just didn't like the story and just like think just the way the story was. I mean, I know you're not supposed to like fits. I know he's like don't do what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, just like I said, the mixing of metaphors, I just feel like there wasn't, not totally clear what they want to do, and they just kind of go, and here's a bunny Nazi on a motorcycle, and, but, and then Fritz is, and one of the weird thing in the movie is that, in the beginning of the movie, he gets with these three girls, and one of them's name is, like, Winston or something, and then, later on in the movie, somebody picks him up, named Winston, and they drive away, and that's his girlfriend, they're gonna get married, and then she, sh- then, then the same person, unfortunately, with the same name, but it's not clear that they're the same, so I'm like, what? What's going on? You know, like I think it was the same person. I, I'm pretty sure. I couldn't. T- I could. I didn't like, know if I. I, I, I don't know if they were supposed to be the same person. 
I, I watched the movie. You watched it sooner, so again, you have a, a more clear picture of what happened. Um, but I remember, I remember that the, was the same person. <laughs> um, I think it was the same person. Yeah, the movie fell off in that area. Um, some parts that I liked that aren't that charged that it had a, like a Mickey Mouse reference. If you right. remember, that was nice just to shift away from the more serious topics and issues of the movie. And something interesting about Ralph Bakshi is uh, he's made other stuff, all mature animation. That's what he likes to do. He also animated the uh, Lord of the Rings animation. Oh. That was all rotoscoped. He did that. So wow. if you've seen that or like it, that's him. Cool. Yeah, he's all right. Um, <laughs> he's an all right guy. He's a swell fella. Swell, swell guy. Uh, but he actually said that when he made, he almost didn't make that movie because he's like, I refuse to animate animals. I don't want to animate animal people because he hates Disney. <laughs> you know, first he likes to do more serious animation, and that's why he hates Disney. So um, that's that's the reason Fritz the Cat is the way it is. And how edgy and gory and sex and drugs and should be like this is oh, this very clearly not Disney kind of kind of racist but maybe liberal for the time uh, but racist now but race sure, surely racist well, surely now. it's gotta be I um, would hope yeah uh, I don't have to spend a ton of time on it I wanted you to watch it because I think I, I laugh when I watch it I think it's very funny to maybe I don't know, not funny but interesting to see the uh, references and things they say and how they're still going on and. Um, It'll make you think if, uh, you know, just think about it, maybe. Be like, uh, same issues, huh? Same old, same old. Nothing changes. More things change, more they stay the same. And mm-hmm. on that note, probably I could take out of that into our final topic. Nice five Woo! topic roundup. El Topo. El Topo is, let me pull it up here, is a movie we watched right before we started recording. And it's a movie I've been wanting to watch for a while now. And, oh, I actually have it pulled up right here. I don't know why I keep having to look it up. It is a uh, acid western from 1970 by uh, director uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Uh, there's a J in his name, but since he's Hispanic, I believe that it would not be pronounced as a J. But uh, yeah, so this movie is fucking weird. It is an acid western inner movie. It's basically about a man named El- the Outlaw. We never know his name, but he's El Topo, which means the mole. And he defies four masters of the desert for the woman he loves, having defeated them, his consciousness rises until his wife betrays him and his new life as a holy man begins. So that's like the little thing we get on Google here at a budget of forty four hundred thousand dollars US dollars. So that's crazy back in the day. Very cheap. <laughs> not back not back in nineteen seventies, man. Four hundred thousand yeah, I mean, yeah. dollars? Yeah. It's like So it's about enlightenment. Um, you want me to you want me to kick this off? Or you gonna... Yeah, you can kick it off. Um, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it for you know a casual audience, but if you're a little if you're a movie nerd or um you know you're in college and you want to watch something really weird and kind of sexual and something from the seventies and be like, whoa, this is so bad. Um, this is the movie for you. I'll, there are a lot of. I think the most notable thing about this that really separates it from movies that you would normally watch or movies that are more popular is that the scenes don't necessarily sync up in a linear way. And what I mean by that is that they'll just have random shots of them doing weird things that kind of make sense. Like they're in the desert, 
but you're like, what does this mean? This isn't like, normally when you have a shot, it's like, oh, I'm walking. Next shot, they're walking into the door. Next shot, they're walking through the door. This one's like them walking to the door. The next shot is them like swinging on a thing. Next shot is them getting to the door. Next shot is them crying and them coming through the door. And then there's one of them laying in the sand. And that's kind of how it works, right? It's very weird in that sense. And there's a, there's a metaphor metaphorical shots within these stories uh, and i think that caught my attention more it kind of made it hard to follow sometimes especially if you're not used to watching it like us yeah if you're not used to watching those kind of movies because sometimes things happen and then it cuts and it's like all right well did that actually happen or is that like you said a metaphor yeah in your mind yeah this movie starts pretty coherent well what? as coherently as a movie like this can start with titular character el topo uh riding in the desert with his completely naked son hiho Hio. Does he call him Hio? That's his name. I don't think he called him that. That's the only name he has. And he tells him to bury a picture of his mother and his first toy because he's a man now. And they get back to their village and they've all been murdered. And he's like, I got to find who did this. And he comes across this man called the Colonel. And he comes across these three men who are chilling out, doing goofy things. And he, they're fucking with him. And then he kills them. And he's like, what's going on? He kills two and leaves one alive. And he goes, where's the last one? He goes, ah, it's the Colonel. There's five more people. There are eight of us. So he kills him, goes on the Colonel. He ends up killing all of them, and he gets this woman. The woman's like, take me. And the guy's like, all right. And then he leaves his son with these monks, and then he fucks off into he this- He tells him, he's like, uh, what does he say? Destroy me. Destroy me, rely on no one. You rely on no one. And then he rides off into the desert, this magic desert with this woman. And then the woman's like, all right. And he's like, oh, it's a, this desert's a, spy, it's a circle, so to get out, we have to go in a spiral. I don't know how you figure that out, but whatever. And then she goes, ah, you know what you gotta do? You have to defeat the four gun masters of the desert. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he does that. Uh, he and each of these masters represent a different religion. I guess I, I looked at a quick see if I could find anything. They don't really say. They give all their little speeches that they give. Uh, hmm. and here's where my first problem with this movie comes in is that we talked about this while we were watching it. Maybe we can get into this right now. Is that it does that thing that these avant-garde whoa artsy movies do where they're they cross the line from this is it's they're vague on purpose but they're so vague that i just don't care that i that i can't bring myself to be invested because i don't know what the fuck i'm supposed to be paying attention to like what is as a metaphor and what isn't what is the happening what is the character supposed to be getting from this i like to think i've watched a lot of movies and i kind of know how it is and i and i really want to like Obviously, we, we talk about these kind of movies. You don't want to be like, well, Thor, Love, and Thunder was fun, and I don't understand. Uh, what Mexican movie? I, uh. I wish we had more time. We could have watched A Belladonna of Sadness because it's a very similar to what you're talking about where it's there are a lot of metaphors and weird stuff happening, but I think it does it a lot better than this one because I agree is that you can have cool, weird stuff happen right. and have it make sense, right? But they they did it too much there's too much of it yeah like i think the begin. i think it started out pretty strong and i think it, like, it was accomplishing everything it really wanted to do yeah in these kind of films like it's like bury your mom picture of your mom and your toy and bury your bury your childish and, things and the and his kid he is naked and you know that's very weird and like whoa what's going on and then we come into this huge city where everyone's dead, there's blood everywhere. All the like animals an are dead. Absurd amount of blood. Yeah, like pools, rivers. People are hanging. Like there's a whole room of people just hanging from rafters. And then he walks in. There's a guy on the ground. He's like, "Kill me." And he's like, "What happened?" He's like, "Please kill me." And then he hands the gun to his son and says, "Kill him." And uh, that's a very violent, crazy scene. And you know what happened, but 
there's also huge metaphors there where it's like the innocent child he's 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 pure innocent he's a young boy and he's naked that's how innocent he and he's is. white he's wearing the, and and, it, and he's doing like the tropes of the western because his father is dressed all in black with a black hat mm-hmm. and he's wearing a white hat and if you know westerns you know that's a very common trope and we've talked about this i mean you haven't but i we have uh, the show up in the west really a lot where you wear the white hat or the black hat. And if you're wearing the white hat, you're a good guy. Because all the good guys in Westerns wear white hats, all the bad guys wear black hats, so you can determine. So the fact that his father wears the black hat shows that he, no matter what that he does, he is a bad guy. He's not a hero. Yeah. He's a he's just some kind he's at least an anti hero, but he's we know that he's not. And his son is pure, like you said, he's completely naked, he's pale, and he's wearing white. I wish he wasn't naked, truthfully, because he's like seven. It's a very it's an R-rated movie and um, it's from 1970s. So yeah, like I, you were, I know you were really weirded out by it, and I think it, it had a shock value for yeah. me in the beginning. I, to be honest, after like the first scene, I was I, I made fun of it, but I was really over it. It reminds, it honestly, made it reminded me of the first Superman movie where Superman came out of like the pod and he was naked, and I was little, I was like, what? naked people in a in a movie. <laughs> And but I'm like whatever, dude. You're a child. You're I. I have little. I also have little brothers who are like. I think there's like one, three. They're your brothers. Yeah. Hold on. There's ten, seven, five, and one. I think. They're your brothers. Yeah, they're my brothers. <laughs> so I, I I see little boys naked because I don't know why kids don't like wearing clothes. They're weird. Yeah, they're weird like that. Fucking animals. And um. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I didn't really care, but I think that the reason it's really weird, and I think it's supposed to be weird and jarring, but it also emphasizes his purity. He has nothing to hide. He's a child. Yeah. And I think that that was the strongest scene in the entire movie. Pretty good to have it in the front, too. If you want to have a strong scene, might as well put it in the front. (laughs) Yeah. Leave with your best foot forward, right? (laughs) Yeah. A really good, a a fantastic good first scene can honestly carry a movie. Mm. And I think that that's, I think it did it well, where it was weird, didn't make sense, but. It, it, it emphasized what it needed to emphasize. The rest of the movie went ball. It went balls to the wall with these metaphors, and I'm like, "You've lost me. Yeah, I'm gone." Whoa. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, religious imagery, a lot of lambs, a lot of crucifixion poses. He literally shoots a rock and water comes out. Yeah, like he does a lot. Of, he's literally in the desert, mm-hmm. and it's just like pick one thing, like pick a thing, because he goes to fight these gun masters, and the first troop to impart lessons on him. And he like cheats and beats them through cheating. Yeah. Um, but like the cheating doesn't like invalidate their lessons in a sense. Like I, it just feels like maybe I'm too stupid to understand. And I'm just like, ooh, Star Wars Marvel. Ooh. I honestly didn't understand how he cheated in any of them, if I'm being honest. I think the hole, he cheats because he falls in the hole and he shoots him in the head. And the second one, his mom sets some glass. And I was like, well, my mom, wife is in glass. So. He, then he shoots him and he leaves. I don't know what lesson that's supposed to teach. The rabbits, I don't get the reference to that. And then the fourth one just kills himself. And he goes, you lose, you don't get to win. And then he like runs back to all the master's corpses and they're all like being destroyed. One's covered in bees and honey. The other is like in a tomb of like little paper. And the other one is in a little covered in rabbits that, and he bursts into flames. And it's like... What the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. And then the movie's not even over. Yeah, that's like <laughs> that's half not, the movie. That's not like it's incredible. We're watching it, and I'm like, all right, how much of the movie is left? And it's like an hour and five minutes are left. So like more than not of the movie is left. And then it cuts, and reading it now, I just read a little bit. He like essentially he's attacked and he's betrayed by this woman he's following, and then he just 
is like in a coma for a bunch of years and he comes to and he's worshipped as a god by these people who live in a cave and then he's like well i gotta save these people and he goes into this town spoiler his son is his grown-up son so it's been however many years it's been however long he's been in the magic desert however long he's been this like zoned out like worshipped as a god this town where they have like like slaves and he's supposed to be becoming a holy man but he's not doing any religious things he's not like in a he's not like a monk he just like it's he just shaves his head i guess he shaves it like a monk would but well it seems like that he goes to go help his people and he goes and the way he does that is that he takes all the people in this cave are inbred they're deformed they have issues they're outcasts right yeah like classic leper kind of stuff like they're sick for whatever reason they are not part of society and they're underground and he goes to help them and he takes one of them with him and they just basically entertain these people in this town to get money they do silly things kind of at the expense of themselves. Of themselves. And uh, I got that. I'm like, all right, you're helping them that way. Cool. I'm like, I don't know how this connects to like the gun masters. To anything before this, but whatever. Apparently, when he's meditating, he's meditating on the lessons he was taught by the gun masters. I don't know. Like, even thinking about it now, I don't know what the third one's trying to teach him. He's like, oh, you shot in the heart, and I, you shot for the head, and I shot for the heart, and for that, I am all the better. But I don't. And then the fourth one has a butterfly net. And he's like, oh, you're here to kill me? There's like, it's like he just skipped. He's like, all right, whatever. You're the third one. You're the fourth one. Because it's not even clear that he's the third one. Yeah. Because we're like, I hope this is a gun master. I'm assuming. Yeah, I remember we said that. We were like, are you, is this a gun master? What are you? (laughs) What are you? Why are you just in the desert with all these rabbits? Why are they dying because he comes near? Like, what is going on? It's worth noting this is uh, written in a different language, uh, like fifty years ago. So yeah, it is all in Spanish. <laughs> it's a uh, there's definitely a cultural thing in a variety of ways happening here. And there's a lot of and apparently there's a lot of references to like religions. I don't maybe get. It's just it's too much. Just I I agree. I'm like I I think that's how movies like this are. <sighs> we can be young. I'm sure they're yeah contagious. Um, mm. they can be. They cannot hit. Like if you don't, if you don't get them, they're trash. You need to get them, and if you need to get something, it almost never stands the test of time. Yeah. Where and I think it. He could have streamlined. He needed to root it more in reality, basically. He needed, or he needed to like make the gunmasters the whole movie because he does this like weird trippy metaphysical. I'm in a magic desert. I gotta fight these four masters of the desert to learn lessons about life, and then he becomes like a shaman, and then he just. Is in a real town with like a like an Illuminati esque religion. A, a kid shoots himself in the head, and then it just cuts, and then it's whatever. Yeah, um, I don't think the gunmaster needed to be the whole movie. Like you could have become a holy man at the end, and that could have been what the lesson was that the gunmaster trying to teach you. But yeah. I feel like but, there's too much of the I'm helping these people. In in a, in a we, it's funny because we started this off with like Thor. We're not we didn't start off, but Thor: Love and Thunder. You're saying it's not enough. This one, too much. There's too much going you, on. You can cut, and you need to like simplify what streamline the hell. what the yeah. message is. What what is going on here? Um, visually, great shots. I'll be honest. Oh yeah, they they, they, look, they look nice. They look cool. Cool things happen, even with these crappy 1970s effects. They look nice. It's just like weird like shots. Like there's a scene where he just wakes up covered in sand and he just sits up. Yeah, it's like that's funny. Well, they both do that. They, they both do. do. It's funny. Like it's the same where they're having sex, understand they unbury themselves. That's kind of symbolic BS. That it's like mm, I understand this is symbolism. You're symbolizing something, but yeah. I don't really know what it is that we're symbolizing here, man. 
Yeah, and that's just kind of the whole fucking movie. He, they had a lot of voices that were dubbed over everyone, and you, and you mentioned that. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting about it is the fact that they had it a lot where it was women dubbed with male voices, yeah. which I thought was very. I'm like, what are you? What What are they representing? Where the when the wife betrays him, the girl that he killed the gunmasters for, she leaves him for another woman, but the woman has the voice of a man. Has the voice of a man, and they say him. I think they refer to it her as him. So I'm like, what What are you like? If I'm being honest, my modern thing is like, oh, are they like like non-binary? What is going on with that? Um, are they like what is that? But I'm like, I don't think that's what they're going for. No. Not in that time period. No, uh, not for this movie. It's not really. And so, what is what is the point? What are we going for here? And I don't I don't know why it was interesting. It caught my attention. I wish I had an answer. And I wish there. When you do something metaphorical, you have to make sure the metaphor is clear, and that's hard to do. And no movie or no story really stands the test of time. But yeah. they can certainly try harder. You, you could have. He could have tried harder. But it's worth noting this is the director's first film. It's <laughs> yeah. What's put him on the map? I don't know what other films he's made. I'm, I'm, I could look into it, but I won't. Because that's just kind of the show we run around here. I think. Amen. Amen. Uh, but but yeah, like it's just. And then at the end, he just um, he just like burns himself to death. Yeah. He's just dead. Well, it seems like he's just he, like fails, and then he decides that he should he should kill himself for his crimes. And he has like a new son that he had with the woman that he was doing a bit with, and his actual son, like his first son, is there, dressed in black, dressed notably. just dressed just like him. Which I get. I'm like, all right, well, that's clear because he's become what is he's become his father. The father, the son follows the father, stuff like that. That is very clear, and he wants to kill his dad. And, like I, I get that. But there's just other stuff that is, like, mixed in. Why is there, like, a weird, illumin- literally a triangle with an eye and a literal Illuminati everywhere religion. And then they tear it all down when they, like, when a kid kills himself with a gun. I tend to say, uh, truthfully, yeah. about this movie. Yeah, I, I, I honestly wish I had. I wish I enjoyed it more. Truthfully, like, I was recommended by someone I know. And I was like, oh, he's like, you should watch this movie. It's an acid western. And I was like, acid western? That sounds super cool. And like interesting, and like I figured it was that's, gonna be like this. That's the thing with uh, you hear acid western, you're like crazy funny stuff, and it's gonna be a western, it's gonna be it's interesting and cool. But the reality is, it's just crazy. It's, it's just a bunch of shit in the desert. Yeah, it's like you did acid in the desert. Yeah, like, I, I part of it, whenever I go see things like this, it makes me feel dumb, but also like angry. Angry. I'm like, I, feel like, you, like, I don't feel like I'm dumb for not understanding these weird things you're throwing at me. I feel like you think you're better than me a little bit. Like, I don't know if you think that he thinks that he's better than no, me. No, but like, but he's like, like, I know this stuff. I'm really hitting the big stuff. You can't even, I'm really working on a higher level. It's like, <laughs> no, you just made a guy walk around in the desert for two hours. It feels very artsy. Too artsy. You could have done it better. I could have done it better. I I would have done it better. I pers- Personally, I would have been better. <laughs> It would have been like the end game of the 70s. <laughs> As in, I would have done it right at the end. Yeah. So sad. Well, I wish we liked it more. I really wish I did. I really did want to like it. I'll look for the next Acid Western. We'll see. We'll, we'll make it a point. Every time on the show, we'll watch oh, an Acid Western, if there are even that many. <laughs> <laughs> we, we look it up there. Just, there's a whole genre of just, Acid Westerns. Well, we, I mean, there's plenty of arts. We could watch, watch one of these weird movies every time you're on. Which I say that like you're on a lot. So the first time you've been on, like the year we've had the show, yeah. <laughs> you had your like year anniversary, and then like a few weeks later, yeah. But maybe we'll. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you really, got anything more to say? Uh, thanks anything? for having me. Hey, Ink o- at Ink Ocean. Well, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. There's a whole way. Uh, there's a whole way to do this. At, hey, at hold up, up, up. Instagram. Stop it. 
my Instagram. I'll, hold on. I'll get there in a minute. My, I'll get there in a moment. My, you can't see guys, but he is touching my mic's controls. <laughs> are we, are we, okay, are we okay, cool? We're good. Do your thing. So thanks so much for listening, as always. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode with uh, special guest Jeffrey Gonzalez. Woo! We really appreciate you coming out and helping us out. You know, Colin was on, Jeff was on. Uh, we might have uh, celery, our Celery Salt under uh, intro eventually one of these days. We might have other special guests if needed. Um, who knows what we'll do with the show. We might get more mics, have more people on at once. We'll really, we'll really experiment at some point. Uh, that'll be a lot of editing for me, so I don't know how that'll work out. But uh, You, um, more work. Ew, right? I already, I already do the bare minimum for this show anyway. You see how <laughs> fucking crazy this is all the time? But Jeez, I'll get through it. Job? As always, you, you can find us on Twitter and on at Gmail and jazz at gmail.com, J-A-Z. You can uh, find us on Instagram at theacatechpodcast where we post, I just post the episodes every week when they come out. Um, we might post more if we get more of a traction, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, and as always, our logo was done by friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez, but he's here. He can talk about it Whoa, now. Whoa, I get, get to logo. talk. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Did you know I made the logo for this show? <laughs> I don't all, think they did. All those years ago, I did that. <laughs> um, it's a work of art. It took you so long to do it, it that I had to be like, are you done yet? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, it was, I like chiseled it out of granite. It was insane. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, you can follow me at, at inkocean.jpg on Instagram. You can see all my art there. Are you also on Redbubble? On Redbubble? Yeah, I don't really update it, but you know, if you want to buy one of the things I have posted, I I actually I don't have to run that. Like Redbubble does everything for me. I just put some designs up there. Uh, but you know, sometimes I say it and I go, I really hope he still uses it. I'm sending people your. I actually don't need to do like the whole thing with Redbubble is that like you just put designs on things and they'll make the product and sell it and ship and do everything for you and they'll just give you a cut. That's pretty good. Yeah, like I don't have to do anything, so I just, so yeah, it's all right. Um, but you know, if you want to buy stuff there, if you want to hit me up on Instagram for a commission, a job, or whatever, want to say hi. I know the people of this podcast. Um, yeah, give me a follow. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I, I, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm really glad to have. I'm really glad to have you on the show. I wanted to find a time to get each on, and it went really well. And now, as always, you know, we did a logo. Our intro is my friend's show, Celery Salt. Fucking, I don't know when that album's coming out, uh, but I'll get back to you, maybe. Uh, maybe there'll be a single. Who fucking knows? But as always, we wrote it, we produced it, and we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Jeff. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Sleep tight. Godspeed. Um, Godspeed uh... Don't take Godspeed. That's what I say. That's how I end the show. All right. Uh, no, okay. Wear sunscreen. Say goodnight again. We'll call it like... uh, Say goodnight to the people, Jeff. Good night. Good night. Godspeed.